He is wrong, especially since he's fucking his cousin. How do I make weapons of war? Oh my god. You can hear her sloshy pussy. Fuck you! Super the hand job. Let me sit on your lap! Fucking my cousin seems like a good idea. We gotta build a bomb. This bitch! Hey, welcome to episode two of Albert Einstein. Uh, if you haven't gone back and listened to the first episode of Albert Einstein that exists, you can go click Why are play. you here? Go back! Or if not, you can just start here. I don't give a shit. That's fair, too. Just listen to anything. But here we're going to dive into uh, the second episode of Albert Einstein. You always say... You're gonna who, give who, a fun me? fact. You. Yeah. And you're going to give a fun fact. You always say we don't ever give a fun fact, but we always do. No, we don't. And we... then your fun fact is never a fun fact, like no, normal I don't fun facts. No, I know what you're talking about. I mean, every episode, every fresh episode, we give a fun fact. It's like a legitimate fun fact. And then when we have a second part, we don't do a fun fact because the two-parters are just two parts it's just an extension of the first episode we cut in half for people who have to go to what's the fun fact have you ever bought tea candles like those little tin candles uh-huh. like a little candle there for the emergencies yeah the wax in them is it's not it's not wax what is it it's semen episode two albert einstein and it's not whose semen you think it is <laughs> is that me Start start the episode. Elsa was a wealthy divorcee. She had two kids of her own, and Albert's having his own troubles with his marriage. So Albert finds that his cousin seems like she's very nice to hang out with, as opposed to his wife, who might seem naggy to him or bothersome. Or, you she, have a kid. You have to clean up after him. You have to help me. She uses the biggest words when she nags. <laughs> yeah. She's so educated. I'm sick of it. So, Elsa is pretty much the exact opposite of Maleva. Elsa <laughs> is not interested in science. She's not an intellectual of any kind. She Hi, Al. Hey. She will cook big dinners. You do the big books and stuff. Look at my tits. <laughs> she doesn't care if Albert I made needs to. chicken. If Albert needs to leave to another country for some sort of convention or That's science. That's fine, Al. Doesn't bother at all, exactly. My wet tits will be waiting for you. She was the I ideal. I made turkey. <laughs> yeah, she was the ideal stay-at-home wife, take care of Albert when he needed to be taken care of, wash his clothes, all that shit. So, great, yeah. great. Marry somebody you're not related to. That's fine. So he starts doinking his cousin. He's still married to Maleva, by the way. So he's incest, doinking his cousin, married to another woman. Just be. But you didn't know that about Albert. I mean, maybe you knew about him dunking his cousin, but you probably didn't know that he was cheating on his wife with his cousin. With his cousin. Yeah, that's yeah. that's disturbing. So, Albert. <laughs> yeah? It's gross. Yeah. It's gross on a lot of levels. It gets it gets even funnier, in my opinion. Well, when you were discussing his four or five or 18 major papers, and my brain went all scrambled. Yeah. It's more scrambled now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Albert's still going back home to his wife. You know, he's traveling around back and forth, goes back home. And Albert is even more shitty to Maleva now. He gives Maleva a list of demands in order to stay married to him. A list of demands? Yes. These demands contain things like, and this is an actual contract written out for her to sign. So it's like, got point one, point one, point one, point one, point one, two. Oh, my or God. Or one point one, two. Yeah. Two, three. So section four, C. Section 4C of uh, Proposition A for uh, Inner Line 1. Um, don't talk to me. Stipulates, uh, don't ever speak to me. Unless, I'm, unless your panties are off. No, not even that. 
here's what he's kind of saying in these. So he does say stuff like, I will speak to you. You don't come talking to me. You don't come bother me. You have to cook for me and bring me my meals to my study while I'm working. You have to make sure that my clothes and laundry are kept in good order. You're not to expect intimacy from me. Basically a bunch of shit like that. He's he's laying out the groundworks of what he thought a, a stay-at-home wife should be, what most stay-at-home wives were at the time. Sure. But it's even more like gross because it's like here's this contract. You're basically now my mother. Do you think that well, this and I'm and I'm ten. But I'm a genius ten year old mom. Yeah. Uh hey, mom. All the meanwhile he's exchanging love letters with his first cousin. Mom, I'm Dexter's lab, except I'm fucking my cousin. Yeah. And you just have to cut the, the crust off my sandwiches. So do you think that this is a a ploy to be overly, you know, autocratic to make her leave so he can marry his cousin or is it more that he's just so obsessed with his own genius he needs her to just shut up all the time and he doesn't like what what do you think is the what is this both are highly speculated to be true it's <sighs> probably one or the other either a he's trying to push her away so she divorces him. like do something so extreme that she's like ugh I'm out. most people say it's the other one they think that he just didn't want to be bothered because he knew that he wasn't involved with his wife and son, but he also has shown some signs of caring for at least his kids. He wanted to keep his his two sons yeah, healthy and stuff, and yeah. and so he might have just wanted to say like, "Look, I think we should stay together as a family, but under my conditions. I'll take care. Well, because I'll bring in money, but fuck off otherwise." I mean, there's an argument for that, and that he is a genius. Yeah, is changing the world in some way, and he's like, "Look, I'm weird." Yeah. And I need space. And for my genius to operate, I need you to stay away from me. That's gross. But there's an argument for him to be like, I am specifically in this genius place. But he could have approached it from a, in a better way. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Matter of fact, a lot of people said kind of the same thing that you're saying. Is that but I don't agree with he's that. He's the kind of person that would emotionally shut down when he was basically coming up with these crazy, amazing ideas. And he wasn't good at communicating that with his wife and being like, look... I'm an odd duck. Luckily, a lot of good stuff is coming out of the thoughts that I'm having, which sounds very fucking egotistical. But at the same time, I shut down when I'm working. And yeah. this work is intensive. And well, so he, I'm not going to be yeah. fully you know, available and here and stuff. Is that okay with you? And if not, here's what we need to talk about. Well, when, when uh, Jim Morrison or Jerry Garcia make that argument to their wives, they're being assholes yeah. uh, about my own genius. Einstein has... Papers and groups of people that I think agree. no matter what, you're going to come off as an asshole. You're still an asshole. It's just yes. maybe could have gone about a little bit better. Well, because at the end of the day, you're also a person, and you could just like hang out with your kids and be a good husband. Yeah. You know, where's the priority lie? Apparently, he sacrificed he, his family to be able to work on science. Yeah, that was the choice he made. Which, you know, I don't, I don't want to make this argument. Sounds shitty. Sounds yeah. like a white man for me thing to say. But he's like, I have to prioritize my work. Because yeah. I'm special. I mean, it kind of is, and I'm not saying that makes it right. It doesn't make it right. Because no. he's, he can't not, <laughs> not do what he thinks is right. Right. And he's wrong. I, I agree. He's wrong, especially since he's fucking his cousin. So it sounds more <laughs> like yeah. he's trying to put his wife into a subservient space yeah. so that he can have his own space to do his nerdy shit and yeah. fuck his cousin because she can't question him. So it's definitely wrong yeah. and could have been approached better. But I guess I see where he's coming from, I guess, kind of. It's one of those things where I get it. It doesn't make it right. I get what's going on. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but yeah. I get it. We've had a lot of those. Yeah. 
That's is why I was I, saying I earlier get in the it, episode. But you're wrong. Yeah, in the episode we say that there's people that we've done that are awesome, do, do great things, and also have done very bad, terrible things. And I think Einstein falls in that thing of being like, look, we can praise him for all of his scientific discoveries. There's no doubting, like, no, there's no questioning that he was amazing to that. Yeah. And if you want to talk about his home life, though, well, yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. But at the end of the day, I still don't think we ever should have left Africa. All he did was create the atomic bomb. So he should have just shut up and been a good dad. All right, well, let's continue on then. Please. Let's, 1914. With this, with this asshole. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> there you go. I don't like him. In 1914, Albert is given another professorship in Berlin. And it at first, Maleva and the kids go to Berlin with Albert. Yeah. But after a couple of months, the marriage isn't working. Maleva knows it. I can't imagine why. Yeah, all these demands. So Maleva takes the kids. They head back. And uh, they pretty much split up from, for good at this point. And she takes the kids, I yeah, imagine. she does. Yeah. Albert promised her, he said that he was sure that he was going to get the Nobel Prize, which he, we talked about he got the Nobel Prize. Yeah. We talked about the paper he got, he wrote and that he got the Nobel Prize for, but he hasn't actually gotten the Nobel Prize yet. How many years off has it been since his uh, photoelectric thing? I think he gets the Nobel Prize like eight or nine years after publishing it. Might be because like people had to prove it. Well, and it wasn't quite as big until he started getting more and more papers out, became more well-known, and then it got delivered to Oh, this fucking guy. But he told Maleva that if he won the Nobel Prize, that he would send her and the kids all the money from the Nobel Prize, which is a big chunk of money. If... He did. He sent the money to him. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the money, the money hunting type. No. I mean, but, he's getting paid really well anyways, in general. So. I mean, I'm just glad he didn't write her a letter like, I would send you child support, it's just that... The thing about distance and time <laughs> is that the mail gets to me at a different time than you expect, and it's when I'm not home. And then I put and then I put it in the garbage generally. Right. So I would, but I'm not. No, yeah, he sends them I all can't. the money from the Nobel Prize. So Albert, also during this time frame, right, right around now, it's 1914. Yeah, a month after they split, and she goes with back with the kids. World War One breaks out. It's 1914. <laughs> right. So Albert is a committed pacifist, and all he really does is he locks himself into his study when war broke out. Because you said he's in Berlin. Yeah. So this is the, yeah, okay. Uh, wow. And he's able to avoid the war. He's disgusted by it. He talks about how it's evil. He doesn't like that Germany's involved because Germany's involved at this point, and a lot of scientists that were German scientists mm. actually wrote a, a paper basically stating justification for why Germany was in the war. And Albert was against this. He actually tried to write his own paper. Because the first one that other scientists wrote had just a list of science names. They were all like, we're for this. We, we put our names under this. Sure. Germany's justified in this war. Just and they're dumb. A lot of people that Einstein has worked with, he likes, their colleagues, whatever. But Einstein's against the war. He's kind of pacifist. So he says, no, 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 I'm going to write my own paper and explain that why we need to stop the war and go for peace. And he only gets three people to sign. So nobody really cares. Three of the scientists, right? So, I think that's pretty typical, though. Yeah. yeah. The reason war happens is people get all excited into a mess of revenge or responsibility. and, well, and well, Especially, gets... oh, Franz Ferdinand's dead? Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. We better kill everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Albert's actually invited to by a few scientists to come work on a project. And he doesn't fully understand what's going on until he gets there. Again, these are colleagues that he's worked with and he admires or whatever. And one of them is, you know, when he arrives, he meets up with one of them, and they're like, yeah, we're trying to find out how to make this poisonous gas that we could be using in the battlefield. So, yeah, Fritz Haber. 
You're right. You have the name Hubbard. He's one of he's going to be a people time at some point. So Hubbard liked Einstein a lot. He loved Albert, even though Albert was a pacifist. Albert didn't really like Hubbard. Yeah, Fritz Hubbard was pro war. Not only was he pro war, he was he, excited when he fucking built he. So he's the yeah. one who took chlorine and turned it into a poisonous. You know, was able to turn it into a poisonous um, gas. I don't remember the name of that gas. It's the one that you they later used in the Holocaust as Zyklon B. Yeah, but it's. Yeah. It's derived from, I know it's derived from chlorine, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. I think it's, yeah, sodium chlorides, it's just poison gas. Yeah. Mustard gas. Mustard gas. That's what it is, yeah. And so he's talking to Albert, and he's like, I think I've got this figured out. I think I can make this all work. And Dude, Albert's we could like. choke out so many people. It'd be awesome. He's super excited, actually, but it. it's kind of gross. And Albert's <laughs> disgusted. He's like, I don't want to be part of this. He's like, you look at all these brilliant geniuses in this room. Yeah. And. All this pro- like uh, progress you guys are making is just putting an axe into the hands of a madman. Like this is what you want all of this amazing work that you've been working on to go to. And Hubbard's like, yeah, this is this is what I was doing this whole Dude. time. Like, how Dude. do I make weapons of war? Have you ever watched a man slowly choke to death on mustard gas? And I've never had a better orgasm. And Germany forever. Am I right? Come on, Al. Come so on! Albert's disappointed. Oh, let's kill everyone. He's angry. He's depressed by the whole thing, and he ends up leaving. He's like, I'm not going to be part of any of this. And Albert's like, that's fine. Albert goes off and does his own test, and yeah, he fucking uses it against a thousand men as a test trial in a battle that's going on on the enemy, and it's this low cloud of fucking gas. And It's so horrific. You, you essentially drowned because your lungs fill up with blood. When you breathe it in, it causes a reaction to happen, yeah. and even though you're on dry land, you essentially suffocate, you drown. Yeah, it's a, it's a great and, story. I intend to do a whole episode on Fritz Haber, yeah. but it's a pretty, yeah, it's horrific. Yeah, they went around to all the bodies. How that were, stoked he was about it, too. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, he was like, oh, this is a success. Like, we are going to be able to use this in war. Perfect. We're gonna, we can kill everybody. Yeah, we, all we got to do is we don't need to send our men in. We're just going to fucking... So, like, I went to the bakery the other day, and they didn't have the blueberry uh, falafel I get every day. So I opened a capsule of mustard gas and just sat out in the parking lot and watched them all just slowly suffocate to death and cry for their mothers. And the whole time I was like, blueberries aren't that expensive. This is their fault. I'm going to kill all of France now. That's Fritz Haber. Yeah. That's what he does. Well, I think we should do it people time because you've told me this story before in passing. And I've I told it like, many times. It's yeah. my anti-science story. So let's do it. Thanks, dabblers. Stick around. Anyways, so... I didn't know Einstein. No, Fritz. That's fun, though. Yeah. 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 So while the war is going on and no wife, no kids around, Albert... Is like, cool, I'm going to throw myself even harder into my own work. And he begins the structuring of the theory of general relativity. So we talked about special relativity. Now he's starting to work on general relativity. Oh, boy. However, Albert is working so hard on his theory that he actually gets sick. Just like, you know, he keeps staying up late at night and overdoing this over and over. Probably worrying about the war that's going on around him. Oh, my God, the stress. Yeah. And and there's not, like, flu inoculations yet. No, yeah. He just gets sick. So yeah, you, you got did. you got polio, you got typhoid, you got the cholera. It's all floating around. Oh my god! Gangrene, Gang- oh everything. The water's gross, yeah. and you're just stressed out because you're like, all right, what is gravity? And my wife hates me, and I'm fucking my cousin. Is that? I don't feel so good. Like Ugh. I feel really great while doing it. <laughs> I don't feel great after. Every time I bust a nut, I'm like, eh, I don't know, I don't know if I. I gotta go in the other room and study. I gotta go. 
Then I just get the flu. So you but get it's sick. The flu in my soul. <laughs> uh, don't feel good. Oh no. So yeah. So he gets sick, and Elsa is the one who comes and to take care of him. She nurses him back to health. Seems like a lovely woman. And she really does. Yeah. yeah. Besides incest, she seems nice. Well, I guess that was more common back then. Still weird. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not gonna. She to... seems like a lovely, dumb lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he needed. You so, need some soup, Al. <laughs> you need some soup. Here's my pussy. Soup and a hand job. What a wonderful cousin. <laughs> Actually, I'd marry my cousin for that exchange. <laughs> well, we know how it went for Al then, probably. Oh, my cousins aren't that cool. <laughs> so Al, yeah. So Albert is getting nursed back to health thanks to his cousin. So first, first cousin. They decide they actually want to get married once he gets better. Him and his cousin Elsa. Sweet. And the problem is he has to first divorce Maleva. Because though they split, they never officially divorce. The, the divorce papers go through. You know, Maleva, it's hard on her and the kids, but she signs it. She's like, fine, whatever. He continues working on the theory of general relativity. What is it? What yeah. is gravity? What is it? I need a cousin blowjob to solve this. Elsa! Did you cut the crust off? My kids called. Did you hang up? Hang up! Idiots. Cut the cross off. Did you hang up? Okay, give me the phone. I don't love you. Hang up! <laughs> hang up on him! Hang up on him! Okay, blowjob and sandwich now, and then I got a science. So, uh, one of the key elements in general relativity is that we kind of discussed now multiple times, because we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, because we, we know a little bit. We also we, understand. We do that. Well, it's, it's space-time. We got ahead of ourselves, one, because in today, when you go learn about, you know, the theory of relativity, it usually marries both special theory and general theory together. That's so true, yeah. With us, it's we kind of already expecting to know uh, about... Like how light is a measure of the energy of mass. Mass affects space-time. Yeah, exactly. But before, they were separate ideas that he put together i guess right well and we also talked about because he was kind of going into this when he was talking about going further into gravitational pull so this all gets put into now general theory of relativity Ooh. so space curves around objects around mass to be specific this is kind of an odd thing to think about and what does it exactly mean well time literally moves slower around mass as we've discussed before however you have to remember that it's relative so if you take a watch if you take two identical watches and you launch one out into space just throw it you just got us on a get out there. spaceship. They, they started there, at the watch. exact same time. It has a, the date, time, and everything on it, right? And they're running the exact same time. If you let that watch that goes out into space float around for a long period of time and then bring it back, even though they were both started at the same time, they're now going to show different numbers. Because of the watch that was on Earth, time was moving slower in comparison to the watch that was just floating out around no mass. That was right. just chilling, right? And the thing is, though, is if you were... With the watch on Earth, time felt the same to you no matter what. It felt, still felt like however long you were sitting there watching yeah, like for. If the clock, same with if you were in space. If the watch were big enough to have like a person in it, yeah. you would feel time move the same inside the watch. Right. And same with one in space. If you were hanging out with the watch in space and you were just like looking at it, you wouldn't feel that time was also going slower 
or faster, I should say, in this case, than it was. It'd feel the same. It's relative. Yeah. But when you compare the two, that's where you see the time was different between what? these two points. It's a really weird concept that time is different, but not from the perspective of the person who is next to. So when the clock spaceship that had Lizzo and I on it sure. went out to Uranus, no. flip, flipped back around and came back, yeah. and we met up with the the spaceship size clock that stayed on the surface of the earth with the 18 tiffany's in it sure we reconvene the times would be different but it wouldn't feel different from anybody who was next to those watches the entire time we wouldn't feel like oh i was going slower than that or time was slow-mo well we all would have watched the same number of episodes of fraser yeah that's a a measurement way to fucking do it to know and we would all be like, whoa, season three, episode 12? Yeah. Oh, my God. Niles is so funny, right? Oh, my God. His tie. But the funny thing oh is, my gosh, you, hilarious. Wouldn't, you wouldn't watch the same amount of episodes. One wouldn't watch more because they, time had been going on. What? Yeah. Time was slower on Earth, so. Please explain. Okay. So if, let's say, <laughs> why'd you use Fraser? Okay. You're watching The Office, right? Okay. We're watching The Office. So if you're watching The Office at home... Lizzo and I are taking off. Your guys are taking season off. Season one, and the Tiffany's are starting on season one. I'm, I'm with the Tiffany's starting on season one on Earth. Perfect. Now remember, half of them are lesbians. That's <laughs> fine. I don't know if that comes up. I'm just making sure we're on the same level. Yeah, half of them are wet, too, apparently. Very. Because John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> so if I start episode one the exact same time you start episode one, and we say, okay... We're going to keep watching The Office throughout all the seasons, no gaps, the exact same time. Right. Yeah, so you would leave and go off into space, and you'd hang out there. And uh, are, around we go- less are we going mass. light speed, or are we just out there? Nah, just not around mass. You, you just go fur- farther away from mass. than. Okay, we're so going like some like 200,000 miles an hour, which is that's fine. You can well below light speed. And so you hang out. Away from mass, away from time drag, and you watch The Office. Yeah, because the planets are moving around, but we're not near them, so we're just out there. But because time is going faster for you, you actually will watch more episodes. So even though we both started at the same time, we never stopped watching episodes, we never skipped past or anything like that. We both started at the exact same time. You go off away from mass, yeah. you end up watching more episodes by the time you get back. And why? Because, why? Because time drags on mass. So, so it's literally slower for so me. So the pull of the Earth slows down time because, the, the because time pull, yeah. and mass is the same. So because Lizzo and I are affected by mass less, we're experiencing more time, so it goes faster. You're exactly right. So once we swing around Uranus, come back, yeah. we meet up with you and the Tiffany's and John Stamos, and you guys are having fun, and then we're like, you know Jim and Pan get married. And you guys are like, what? Yeah. Even though we both started because the same Because we're, Lizzo and, and, and I are ahead. you guys didn't feel like you were going fast or anything. You were watching the episodes in normal speed. It seemed fine. But by the time you came back, you were ahead of us. So I come and explain to you and John Stamos that the, uh, the clown picture is actually structurally important for Jim and Pam's house. And you guys are like, what are you even talking about? I mean, Jim and Pam are just dating right now. And Lizzo and I would be like, <laughs> you don't even know. Go to Uranus. Yeah. And you'll know. That's bizarre. I mean, the, the idea that... So, I think as it was explained to me is that, okay, we got three dimensions, right? Yeah. Left, right, up, down. One, two, three. Yeah. Dimension four is the time. So, if you and I wanted yeah. to meet up somewhere, I'd be like, meet me on 9th and West on the second floor at 2 p.m. Yeah. 2 p.m. is dimension four. Yeah. So, time is the fourth dimension. So, when you are moving through space, 
You're also moving. You're through moving time. through time as well. That's the thing that's interesting about space and time is that so you can you're always moving through time, but it depends on what speed because it depends on how much mass you're around. It can get down really super slow if you're out on the outside of a black hole, but you're not getting sucked in. There's so much gravitational pull that the time is so fucking slow. So you could get it down to almost nothing. But it's like saying, well, you know, if I put a ball down in front of you. It's not moving anywhere, mm-hmm. but time is still going. So it's moving through time. Now, if I push the ball, well, now it's moving in now a direction, it's... and it's also time is still going yeah, on. Yeah, like, so, so the idea is that the, the first three dimensions are interactable. The physical matter moves through it. The fourth dimension is always moving. It's constantly, yeah. It's always moving. So if, if you're just sitting still, you are interacting with the fourth dimension because it's just moving past you. Yeah. But if you move as well... You're now moving through the three dimensions and Plus you're time. increasing the interaction with the fourth dimension because it's moving, you're moving through it. Yeah. So the more you move, the, faster. the more you interact with gravity, the yeah. more you manipulate it, the faster time. Yeah. Or actually the slower time slower. goes. Slower, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're moving through through more dimensions. So Weird. Spooky. <sighs> I'm tired. I just want to watch The Office with Lizzo now. <laughs> I remember one time I was actually explaining this to a friend. I mean, I again, basic understanding, but I was like 16 years old. I watched some videos or whatever, and I was like, this is so bananas. And so me and your brother actually were talking back and forth about it a bunch and learning more as we were like, oh, I saw this documentary, and I saw this one with... Uh, oh, man, good know. times. Yeah, and then another friend showed up, and we started talking to him about it. And when we explained to him that time is actually different depending on where you're at with mass, yeah. he was like, that's not real. It's like, I understand that's how it seems. Like, right? I get like, it. I get that but, you doubt that. But this is what Einstein was talking about. And he's like, Einstein could say that even. I don't care. I don't know. And I was like, okay. And then years later, he was like, I went and looked it up. I saw it for myself. Now I understand what the hell is going on. Of course, we were probably I explaining it really terribly. No, yeah, but yeah. But it even explained well. It's like, what? That's I agree, yeah. Like, during the Galileo episode, I still wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> in a cold sweat. Like, yeah. in a vacuum. Everything falls to the ground at the same speed. Yeah. I believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. I know. You know, I get it. It's it's bizarre. And that's the problem with where we are now well, with science, where we're at a point where uh, it, it's hard. It's difficult to wrap your head around uh, the edge of, of science now. Well, with general relativity, the difference between that and special, general is now trying to tackle more things on Earth, things that have different momentums of acceleration stoppings you know rather than talking about speed of light things he's now trying to apply this to uh things that we can relate to oh, and fuck man the His... way he's doing that is talking about how space and time can be malleable they change around different things and that's a, a help into his theory but this is something that's very difficult to prove i feel like i'm on mushrooms right now yeah what kind of headaches do you think he had <laughs> Holy like, shit! Enough to go be like fucking my cousin seems like a good idea. <laughs> just because she's I homely need, and nice. Yeah, I just oh, need to get a nut off, man. Fuck. So this is his issue: is he wants to explain that light actually? He wants to explain that space time bends around mass, and the way he thinks it will be easiest to prove this is to show light bending around a large mass. Right. And the biggest one we have that would be the easiest to see this in would be our sun. So he's like, okay, there's stars that are behind our sun that we can't see, but technically we should be able to see because the light beam should, should be coming bend. and bend around this big giant yeah. space-time contortion here. And he's like, well, that that would work, except for you can't just stare up at the sun. Yes, but, well, yeah, we're not all Donald Trump. You can't look right at the goddamn thing. 
So he's trying to figure out a way to do this, which brings us to the solar eclipse of 1919, which was something you were bringing up. Hello. So Albert found a way to prove his theory by uh, waiting for an eclipse to happen. And this is the... So the solar eclipse is when the moon covers the sun. When the moon is in front of the sun, so it makes it all dark with a really bright edge. Around the, the lunar sun. eclipse is when it's the other way. The, the moon goes into the Earth's shadow, so it looks like it disappears, kind of. Okay, so we're talking about when the moon jumps in front of the sun. Yeah, the moon's between Earth and the sun, you're okay, right. Okay, because that's when we can look at it. Well, You can kind of see the sun, yeah. We can see the moon block the sun. And that's the whole idea, is that they're expecting that if we see this scenario of light bending around the sun we'll be able to look up to it during the solar eclipse and we should see the stars around the edges of the sun just kind of look almost like an optical illusion it looks like they're i think it's spreading away in from fraction. the sun it'll look like they're literally just it'll look like they're in a lens like a fish kind eye of, lens. yeah that's a good way to put it too and move around like a weird circular interaction where where it's like the light it's like when you take one of those glass balls and you look really close to it and you can see through it, but everything's upside down. You know what I'm talking about? Like a really, right. Like a glass ball that's heavy and you like look through. The more you kind of twist yeah, and move we, it around, things kind of like distort more. We all look deeply into glass balls. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> this is a bad example. <laughs> I don't know. But I think you're, yeah, so it's, yeah it's the same thing. Yeah. Where it interacts with the light. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. You get, things get bigger and smaller depending on, anyways. I mean, I read that there was a, there was a, a solar eclipse that somebody went to, like, South America to try and prove Einstein's shit. And they didn't get the camera set up in time. And they had to wait, like, another, like, 12 years until they were in a better spot in, like, Africa where they had the perfect straight look so at it. So you're saying all the stuff that I was uh, not going to go into, which is fine. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't the first attempt that they were able to actually right. get this information. Matter of fact, the first attempt was supposed to be up in Russia, but it was okay. kind of... Dangerous territory, and when Albert and some other scientists were trying to get up there, they got denied to go well, up there. Soviets, that was gonna be the best place to be able to see the solar eclipse. You can't trust Soviets. But you're right; there was actually multiple attempts, and it wasn't until the one you just explained where. Which I don't. Well, it was in South America. Was the successful one or Africa? I think it was Africa, where they they got like a straight shot, good perfect picture. They saw the starlight yeah. wrap around, and they were like, whoa, fuck. Like, the, he's right. Because well, what other explanation is there for that observation? It's it's bizarre. Well, that's what's nice about it. It's not only could that, I mean, that seems like it'd be a very hard thing to, to explain, yeah. but if you already had an explanation before that, because that wasn't, how do I explain this? So <laughs> if you didn't know that was going to happen, and you saw the light bend around, you'd be like, holy shit, how does, what makes this happen? You might be able to eventually backtrack it towards what Einstein was saying. However, it's nicer that Albert came up with these calculations He's, and said, this is what you should yeah. expect to see. And then they saw it, and they're like, well, that fucking makes sense. He and started I with, this yeah. is going to happen, as opposed to, why did this happen? Right. And that, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's hard to argue with. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing Joseph Smith did. <laughs> no. Where those dumb jackasses... So, quote unquote saw the plates because right. he told them to yeah he said they were gonna be in there this is why i like science and not religion aren't they the aren't they the same though they isn't that not. fun it's so much they're fun so wrong it's so fun that we've they're had exactly, this argument so many times exactly you know, like, the same i wonder what it's like human to be this wrong human perception someone open up a is window and let some of the wrong out jesus it's all subjective like everything is subjective about what you perceive what's al up to so albert <laughs> so albert writes a postcard to his mother right after this, you know, once it's been proven, they see that this... Mom, I fucking figured it out! He's super excited. I guess we don't really talk about his mom too much. I don't really know how interactive he was with her, but 
this was such a big accomplishment to him, and that was the first person he wanted to tell. That was highly oh, noted. So, yeah, that's cute. That, yeah. yeah. Tell your mom, I, I did it. I proved my shit. That's kind of funny. And, and this, sad. this helps prove his entire theory of general relativity, which is so incredibly accurate and predicting in certain planets how they're going to move, how the light around it's going to move, how their orbiting is going to react. And this goes even further into, I guess, Mercury has a very odd and strange kind of uh, pattern that it goes around the sun it's very different than how other planets work i think it goes the other way well it's it, like it goes the other the opposite direction for some reason well if you watch all the other planets they kind of have this like long gated elliptical you know yeah ellips- whatever ellipsis ellipsis yeah but like mercury if you watch it it kind of almost makes a weird pattern it's almost like if you were to draw it out as it kept going it kind of looks like a weird flowery kind of petal hmm. around the sun he, and he proved why and well yeah so everyone was kind of like well you know if you take newton's laws and you apply it it doesn't really seem to make sense with mercury however albert was able to say oh no newton's laws still work it's just it's now following this other rule that i've now like plotted out and when i put it up against mercury it's like identical oh i have a new chapter you guys haven't read yet yeah here you go so it just further helps his theory of general general relativity so general relativity explains the bizarre ellipsis of Mercury explains a lot of things. I mean, we're talking about it, he. It helps prove the existence of, of black holes. It helps goes into gravitational waves. Like I can't sit here and say it, pr- it proves ghosts too. All the mathematical scenarios and hey, here's what general relativity is pinpointed as. It talks about space time. It talks about the existence of black holes. It talks about gravitational waves we're talking about a lot more than just one subject it is weird to think that this is one dude i know right because a lot of the the general populace's understanding of science or theoretical science is hit is the shit he came up with just yeah. one fucking guy there's a reason why einstein is a synonym for genius there's a reason why he's the most well-known genius well, in the world it's cynical now I, it, people do use it in a very... Hey, Einstein. Uh, that's humanity, though, of just being like... We're just assholes. Yeah, we just turn everything into yeah. something negative. But he did, yeah. You know, like, uh, if you watch the, the really awful, stupid YouTube channels I watch, they often talk about how Einstein said matter can't be destroyed, so that's why there's ghosts. People take everything that he said to a new place. To a dumber place. Well, a dumber a dumber place but <laughs> so much of our ghosts our understanding and our non-understanding of science is because of this yeah single gentleman there's definitely people who obviously build further onto what albert has done many scientists who i thoroughly enjoy now you got brian cox you've got i mean richard Feynman worked with albert we talked about that love love Feynman. i mean i still love neil tyson i which... don't don't care for him too smug too a little too satisfied with himself i love Bill Nye, who's really an engineer, but still smart. Still love, I still love Bill Nye. Love him. Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, who is... Sagan's my guy. So all these people, either if... Michio Kaku. It, they may not have always necessarily worked directly on the stuff that, that Albert had paved the way for, but I'm sure he was a huge inspiration to probably all of those people. I just don't think that... I think, the, yeah, so we did Galileo, we did Newton, we did Einstein. These are the... Like the, the trifecta. Bam. Yeah. There, there hasn't been a fourth guy yet yeah. to help us uh, define where we're 
the gaps that we have in our understanding. So I think right now the biggest gap that we have is now trying to marry natural physics with quantum physics because yeah. it doesn't make they don't work together. And well, that's what Albert tried to do before he died. It was a it's it's Caesar Pies. <laughs> Maybe I mean I don't know if that's he's definitely not what he's trying to go he's for. definitely not fake, and it's definitely not a Pentagon black ops. CIA situation. It's definitely real. Yeah, maybe. It's definitely it's definitely real. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and that's that's one of my big things is I, you know, I think relativity and quantum mechanics is difficult for humans to understand. Marrying them together yeah. seems impossible. Putting in a, a one equation that fits into both realms, both of these different Something. physics. And E equals MC squared. It's so simple and, and poetically beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if we'll have another guy like that to help us we get may not. there. That's Albert really is just one of these geniuses that we've talked about so many different geniuses on this podcast and many of which I would, I stand by are geniuses. Albert, because of the things that he did, yeah, he's, he's on his own, right? To the point that we even let go that he's a shitty husband and a cousin fucker. We just let it because uh, of the... Many people do not talk about that when they talk about Albert. That would be one of the first things. If it was anybody else, the very first thing was I would talk about was, he fucked his cousin? He he, he married his cousin? Yeah, and, and she was some dumb sandwich-making bitch. <laughs> he just married her because she was easy. <laughs> what a loser. Because she would do all the stuff that you know he wanted her to do, like do my laundry, bitch. If he was anyone else, yeah. we would That's have, what a, we'd be we'd talking have about. a deeper problem. Yeah. Wow. But he does general relativity. He publishes it. This is huge, groundbreaking, Big. everything. Everyone's going crazy in the science world. Big news. He becomes basically instant celebrity overnight. Like, that's how big this is. From general relativity. Yeah. It's because not only are all the scientists freaking out about him, even the people who don't understand it are realizing, okay, all this science world thinks this is the smartest man in the world. And he's doing these brilliant, amazing mathematical things that we can't possibly fathom. People want to meet Albert. People want to get his autograph. People want to know, what what does a smart guy think? Like, how do I, what, do I, what do I say to him? And how does he say bye? Who's going to win the World Series? How do I speak to my wife? Yeah. How, am I, is my shoe size wrong? My, sh- my feet hurt. So he's, he's like, everyone knows he's a genius, even if they don't Wait, understand his papers. you're a Jew? Papers so Jews are okay. Cool. Uh, what about blacks? Very few actually understand his theory, but they are all very impressed with him. I do love, yes, uh, again with the, the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson yes. argument, many people make a false comparison that science smarts equals to other smarts. Einstein was a specifically intelligent man. That doesn't mean he can solve your marriage. Uh, he couldn't solve his own. Couldn't solve his own. So it's the same thing where, like, the celebrity... I think Albert would agree with you on that. He's the one who quoted saying, you know, you can't judge the intelligence of a fish by its ability to climb a tree, stating that, you know, not everybody's going to be intelligent in the same yeah. things that are... Yeah. Where, like, his genius on a larger platform is going to translate that way, where people are like, what a wise man, give me advice. And that would just be annoying. Uh, he was annoyed by it. In that, I don't want to hear anything Neil deGrasse Tyson has to say. That's what I mean by that. It's funny because Albert did try to kind of break down the general theory of relativity to the common man. And the best way he could do it, which may not be a perfectly great analogy, but he's not going to do any better. Yeah. And he was trying to explain to him, it's like, if you sit down on a hot plate for one minute, to you it will feel like an hour. But if a pretty girl sits on your lap for an hour, it only feels like a couple seconds. He was trying to explain that time feels different and putting yourself into a painful scenario, even for a short time, it would feel like a long time when you're in that amount of pain. Yeah. And then he used the analogy of a girl sitting on his lap, probably because he had many girls sitting on his lap. And he means a cousin. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. But he never sat on my lap because it's a hot place to be. <laughs> so in 1921, Albert and Elsa go on tour to America. He's greatly welcomed with crowds of adoring fans. Woo. The press follow him around constantly wherever he went. Albert is actually quite annoyed by all the attention. He complains about the journalists who are waiting outside his door every day and that the the telegrams are coming into where he's staying just all day long. People are running in tel- new telegrams to talk to him. And- oh, I love that. Because uh, uh, the American culture is so celebrity-driven. Yeah. Way, way even back in the 1920s, man. Uh, yeah. Literally 100 years ago that we were obsessed with celebrities, even though we don't even know the value of this celebrity because yeah. it's just... Science weirdo. We just want to yell at him. Tell me your feelings. Say my name. Say hello and then my name. Let me sit on your lap. <laughs> Is your wife your cousin? That's I heard awesome. Your quote. heard your quote. Let me sit on your lap. Oh, my God. I want to give you a reality show. You and your cousin yeah. solving math problems. He's getting requested to just interview after interview. He finds it annoying. In it 1922, annoying. Albert is awarded, finally, the Nobel Prize in physics. And then in the next 10 years, we're kind of going to blow past this real quick. It's because Albert just tours around the world giving lectures on his theories. He's talking about his theories of, of relativity, and everybody wants to listen to him. So. Really, we're we're just shooting a World War, world war II here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do anything else until then. He's doing lectures. That's fine. So... Doesn't see his kids. Doesn't see his kids. Fucks his wife, or his cousin. He fucks his cousin. Talks. Lectures, yeah. Get, lets his hair get gray and wild. Quits combing his hair. He probably actually quit combing his hair quite a while back, but doesn't wear socks. Quits combing his hair. All right, so yeah, we're skipping ahead a little bit, because uh, it really isn't a lot going on other than him lecturing. He's just He's touring. All of the world, Europe. Trying to impress on the world what relativity is, to try and... Yeah, people are asking him to come and do speeches on his theories because this is huge. This they're is like, a what, giant what discovery. What the sense. hell is he talking about? Yeah, and people still want to meet him and and discuss maybe other things. Other scientists are like bringing him their work and being like, "You want? Are you interested in this?" He'd be like, "Yeah, let's take a look." And I imagine that uh, globally, at least in the Western world, the '30s sucks balls because we have the Great Depression. Yeah, World War II is heating up. At least the political parts of it are heating up. Yeah, we're going into the early 1930s now, and just as you're stating, Hitler is starting his rise and is on the brink of becoming a dictator of Germany. Dick. And even Albert, who is this genius celebrity scientist, one of the smartest people in the world, he's a Jew, and even for him it's not safe to go back to Germany. He recognizes that. He actually yeah. goes back to Germany a couple times throughout the tour, and each time he goes, he's kind of like, it's getting dicey here. I don't like this Hitler figure. I don't like how he's given his political beliefs. I don't believe in those. I don't agree with them. And after showing up and doing a couple mine, speeches there. Mine comfy feelings about being an anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't think that that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, at least you guys aren't talking about like cousin fucking stuff. But like when I come home, you guys break my stuff. Yeah, it's funny you say that because even at one point, which we will get into really quickly here, the Nazi Germany you know, is, is uprising right now. And Albert, the, one of the last times he's there, and he's he's like, I got to get out of this place. This is, this is not going to go well here pretty quick. There's rumors that the Nazis put a $5,000 price on Albert's head. Wow. They also went and apparently found a bunch of his work that he'd been working on and left at home in Germany. And, I mean, I guess the place he was staying at in Germany, not really necessarily his home home but they burn all this shit and they are super against albert einstein uh, his intelligence is like they don't want anyone to see a jew who is that smart yeah and be like well they can't all be maybe maybe this hitler guy's not right about jews at all what's well, it's threatening to their worldview of that 
not only that an Aryan man didn't come up with something that is potentially important, but I think that when a Jewish person does anything, they're like, oh, it's some plot against us. So yeah, they they probably perceived relativity as a anti Aryan, however they like to. Yeah, I'm sure they do spun that. it in a way that he's evil and just trying to take away their money like a Jew would or well, whatever so- Hitler was trying to say. And when Alper finds out that there was a five thousand dollar price on his head, his comment, which I guess he was trying to be cheeky, though I'm sure was probably quite frightening. His response was, oh, I didn't think I would be worth that much. <laughs> right. Just kind of be like, that's kind of, huh, huh. just to kill me. That's, that's a high get, number, thanks, I guess. Kind of weird you guys are so stoked about this. Because of all this, Albert decides that Europe is just too dangerous in general. And he tells Elsa to take one last look at their home that they had because she would never see it again. He knew that once he was leaving Europe, he wasn't going to come back. In Europe in general, not just Germany. He was like, this is too, it's getting too hot. Good perception, yeah. And so Albert and Elsa, they actually settled down into uh, New Jersey. They come to the U.S. Of gains... all places? <laughs> well, it's Princeton, right? So Princeton University is in New okay. Jersey. He thinks that's a good school. He's like, cool, I'll, I'll go live in New Jersey. He gets citizenship. He actually gets a job at Princeton. And his job is pretty crazy because he's not... He doesn't have any teaching responsibilities. He's not a professor uh, to teach courses or classes. He's not even have any administrative kind of responsibilities. Princeton, essentially, from my understanding, just basically like, you're the smartest guy in the world. Come do your research at our school and we'll pay you. That way we can say, we have Albert Einstein who works at our school. That is a big deal. Colleges like clout. Well, and they were happy to be like, come keep doing more scientific stuff. If you make more discoveries, we'll put it down in the history books that you were at Princeton while that was happening. Yeah. Using our resources. Like, thanks, buddy. I have a few friends right now that are pre-graduate like that, that are just being paid by universities to do their own shit. Yeah. And the universities just want the clout that they were a part of that. Yeah. That makes sense. That sounds good. It's a learning institution. Nobel Prize, one of the smartest men in the science and physics today yeah well i approached the university of utah to try and propose a similar situation like pay me of course to be here and it was really just the friction that lizzo and i make together Mm. without being too graphic of course because of our excitement our our general excitement together could be calculated as free energy Uh, yeah you know, if you use that energy to, to... If you could harness that thermodynamic heat that you guys are creating yeah, friction. Yeah, the, the heat that just comes off of our genitals. Right. And if you could put that into a, a copper cylinder to spin around and create electricity, that's practically free. Yeah. I mean, you're going to do it either way. So even if it you right? know, cost you energy, it didn't matter. You're going to still do those things. Might as well obtain the leftover energy. Suck up the energy. Yeah. Um, it's basically like, you know, Rose and Jack from the Titanic. If they had just fucked hard enough, they could have kept that ship afloat <laughs> yeah. from the friction. Right. They could have melted the ice. They could have dried the sea. They just didn't think. Things. They weren't ready. Albert and his cousin, me and Lizzo, it's the same energy output. and, and Less incest with you and Lizzo. That's what's more important. That was part of my application to the U of U. It was like, Lizzo and I are not related. And they're like, just yeah. give us a room and something that we can put our energy into. Uh, but when they realized that what I meant by that was like, I was just going to come into a receptacle. You know, this, br- <laughs> this brings up a, a, a funny scenario of us trying to keep reusing energy and stuff. It'd be hilarious if people's beds were made out of something that like, when 
when yeah. you're having sex, it would just regenerate. Even if it just was like this little a, a light bulb for five minutes, like cool. Like honestly, over you know years of doing stuff like that, and and, and just normal everyday yeah. scenarios. It's just physical friction can be translated into energy, and we are wasting it. Wasted. We are so wasting. That's who the next guy is going to be, <laughs> or or woman that comes up with. Uh, how to harness everyday energy. Yeah. So Albert's goal at this time is to uh, to explain the, all the forces in nature in one equation. It's the toe. What? Toe. What's the toe? Theory of everything. Yeah, you're right. The theory of everything. That's what he wants. Yep. A unified theory that explains everything. Because by the 30s, uh, quantum mechanics is, is uh, pretty well... It's, it's not... It's good. It's Some getting there. Big names are working on it. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, spookiness at a distance, as he calls it, uh, yeah. which is entanglement and then the double slit experiment. So he's like, how do I equate my big theories with the small theories yes. to get the toe. Give me the big toe, man. Yeah. I want to put that big toe in my mouth or maybe my asshole. I want it to work. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. That's the goal. So even though Albert is now in his 50s at this point, we're getting into the you know the 30s. Twilight. He's still getting a lot of attention from the ladies. Hello. So he's a celebrity that genius. Big, that big hair. With a lot of money. Does he have money like from... He does. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, what do they call that? Grants? From just being a smart smarty pants? I think he's got money coming from everything. He's he's a paid scientist in general. His lectures, his tour that he went around, I'm sure he was paid for all that. He's the Keith Richards of science. Yeah. And he's got a lot of free time. Even though he's wanting to work on his theories, he's also wanting to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> And he's not tied down to an actual job, so... I love thinking about that. 1937, he's put the same equation on a blackboard 18,000 times. And he's like, hmm. And then some intern comes in and he's like, Hello. Hello. You know, I'm quite charming, relatively speaking. Hello there, 19-year-old. Have you ever been with a 50-year-old? Have you ever solved this equation? Because I have an equation in my pants. (laughs) That we could solve together <laughs> and reserve the friction energy. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and here's the thing is he's basically got groupies around him anyways. Uh, so he's got lots of students who are following so, him around. Yeah, I never would have anticipated he would have groupies. That's yeah. something else. He's constantly being introduced to new people. And those people are like, have you met this girl? That's, you know, she's not becoming smarter pants. Why don't you meet her? So he's meeting actually a lot of girls, and apparently it was common enough that Albert would invite girls over to have discussions on science at his house. And this is where I'm unfortunately going to have to talk about a very creepiness of Albert. Oh, boy. So what would happen is he would invite these girls over, and oh no, he'd be walking around in a silkish kind of robe. Oh, God. And they'd be sitting there discussing, sitting on the couch and stuff, and at some point his robe may or may not all of a sudden pop open with... <laughs> It's physics. It's not his fault. <laughs> Without anything underneath. Well, the gravity pulled it down. And according to what... The gravity was not holding my penis. Yeah. A- according to one of the sources that I was reading about on this specific scenario is that Albert, like, it would, his bro would kind of pop open. Seriously? like For real. So, okay, he's got, like, six or eight 19 to 20-year-old students. Sometimes just one at a time, though. And he's walking around in a silk robe, and he's like, hmm, oh, no. My whoops! My silk robe came off. Oh no! My all my pubes are out. 
<laughs> What's someone going to do about that? My gray 50-year-old pubes. Well, and so the idea was that yeah, apparently, I mean, this is obviously a terrible scenario to put somebody in if they weren't uh, expecting this kind of scenario Yeah, this to is like a Louis C.K. thing. Yeah. That's bad news. Yeah. And so here's what the uh, source that I was you know, listening to talk about it was saying that once his robe popped open, he just wouldn't say anything. And then it was basically up to the girl if she was like, let's do this thing. Or Let if she's grab like, your penis. I got to I gotta go. He apparently did not necessarily like just you know uh, force himself onto people or anything like that. But it's still a very terrible scenario. These girls maybe not always knew what was going to be happening, so they'd come over talking to this great mind, and all of a sudden the yeah. penis would all of a sudden show up, and they'd be like, "Ah, penis!" Uh, and then he would just stand there like, "Okay, so you like what you see? <laughs> Do you like it? Uh, put a piece of chalk into my uh, urethra, and I could, I could." probably do write out this equation <laughs> yeah but he, he slept with many that many sucks. women i mean during this time you know uh, uh because we uh come from the perspective of a a, a time where th- this behavior is obviously very very looked down upon but back in the 30s he wasn't raping no it wasn't even considered probably that that bad the only the, the yeah. worst part of it is probably that he's married if he wasn't married <clears throat> Then maybe it wouldn't be quite so. It wouldn't really be a big deal in general. Yeah, kind of like when we were when we were doing Joseph Smith. Um, but that doesn't mean it's okay. We didn't forgive any of his behavior, but there was no indication that he forcibly coerced, except for with a gun. No, yeah, he did do that. Yeah, he set a gun down and was like. That's what's fun about where we live now is that is that rape is a question of of consent and consent is a is an ambiguous term that needs to be established by two individuals as opposed to at his time where he was using his status yep. to manipulate young girls so it is rape yeah in the second is that the second rape one <laughs> is when he holds her down yeah so rape two is when he's like, I'm important. Here's my penis. Right. So not cool. Not good. And here's the thing is some of the girls might have been completely like, this is fucking awesome. At the same time, and yeah. And there were some they, girls they, I'm they, sure they were like, yeah, they oh, could be fuck. attracted to, to who he is and attracted to his brain and want to fuck his brain. Like well, He definitely gets if, a reputation. So not that I'm saying it's still right, but at some point there are girls that I'm sure going over there knowing that's what's going to happen. They'd be like, and okay, some, this is what's doing. Like, science-minded, naive girls might be like, oh, shit, I better get out of here. Yeah. But some might pull out their big, fat clit and fuck his brain because they're into it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're, so, we're in a weird gray area. That's fun. And at this People point. People time often finds ourselves here. Right here. Yeah. This is a... Yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elsa is kind of puts up with this. She's aware. As a matter of fact, it kind of just goes downhill from Elsa here. doesn't know shit. She's in the other room like... Oh, oh. Well, here's her thing. Oh, my parents were cousins too. <laughs> oh, should I make soup for well, him and his guest? So Elsa's in this scenario. Of she understands that her options are let Albert do this kind of shit or leave the smartest man alive with all of his money and fame and just go be on my own. Because they don't have any kids together or anything themselves. I mean, unlike his first wife, she was more willing to agree to the the presumed contract of his behavior. Right. Yeah, which is also not great. It's awful. But, yeah. I mean, when he's inventing uh, relativity, you could make an argument for that contract. But in the 30s, he's just fucking girls. Oh, that's all it is. He's just being horny. Yeah, yeah. yeah so she so far is putting up with that. Albert pulls the same thing on Elsa they did with Maleva, though. They start sleeping in separate rooms. Elsa is no longer allowed to go into his study. 
it's this whole entire like kind of pushing back, she, being like, I'm the guy, you just do the stuff. She did some research and she realized they're related. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, Al, who we were related. So while Elsa's now standing in her own room, she'd hear a car pull up and she'd look out her window and there would be a girl who's got like a chauffeur driver and then also Albert would be leaving the front door of their house to go get in the car and then they would just leave and, she, and she'd be like, where's Albert? This 50-year-old dude? Yeah. And the, Albert would go with many girls in the same fashion to go get in the car and they'd go to the opera and then Albert wouldn't show back up for like two or three days so clearly he was staying somewhere else and then oh, he'd come back home, how's it going, gotta work on some science stuff and then all of a sudden a car pulls up and she's like, someone's in here? And then she'd watch Albert walk out there Does and it became a problem with Elsa but Albert's fucking response to it was, Telling the girls that when they came to pick him up, which I don't know why he insisted it be that way instead of him just getting his own chauffeur and then going and picking them up. At least it's a little bit, I don't know, no, you know less no. in your face. It's the same as, like, JFK had women brought to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's probably right. It's like, they come to me. But he told the girls that were coming up, each girl, who he didn't always date the same people twice, so a brand new Never. girl. He would say. I already fucked that hole. <laughs> he'd say, make sure to bring candy for Elsa. So Elsa would get mad and be like, this is this is wrong. You're going off and leaving for You got for the days. peanut butter cups. And he'd be like, don't worry. She brought you candy. I Isn't like that the peanut nice? butter cups. Yeah. Like, here's this candy she brought for you that my girlfriend brought you, well, basically. The, yeah, the chick I'm fucking tonight. We're even, right? Like, I like the peanut butter I cups. I go fuck somebody else, but I, blah, 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 I here's blah, candy. Peanut butter cups. My parents were cousins. Did they have a kid? No. Elsa gets really bothered by this. But again, she feels like there's it's, it's either this or uh, she's in her 50s too. Or not be married to the yeah. most intelligent man on earth. So there's not yeah. much. That's quite a compromise. I can't believe the candy thing. That just surprised me. Like, I'm going to get my girl that I'm going to fuck tonight to bring candy that I will then give to my wife and say, this is from so-and-so. See, this is okay. Well, think about being... Even Stevens. ...an attractive, intelligent 20-year-old woman. You meet Albert Einstein at the university. You show some affection towards him, like, I want to hook up with this situation. And then you go, oh, wait, 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 aren't you married? And he goes, yeah, bring some saltwater (laughs) taffy to feed to my fat, dumb wife, and she won't even know. Now you go home and think, what? What? Okay. I got to get some saltwater taffies for his fat, dumb wife. (laughs) And then it works. (laughs) It's bizarre. The funny thing is. Because you leave and she's just on the porch like, I like the taffy. We're cousins. And let's be honest, the candy's not what's holding her there. So this seems almost like a, it seems like a worse scenario that Albert's doing. Like, it almost seems like he's rubbing it in her face in this way of like, because if she's not going to leave because he's going around cheating on her, because she doesn't want to leave the status that she has when she's with him. Yeah. Then him just being like, I brought you candy. It might seem like a nice gesture, but also like it came from my girlfriend. It's I'm going to go fuck and then, and then dump her and then the next girl. Well, in his. Bring a different candy. In his Asperger's brain, he's like, this is an exchange. You get candy. I get candy. <laughs> my candy is just a person. Yeah. And then you sit then in the bed hot. alone and shut up and then make me breakfast tomorrow. Uh, it's definitely gross. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't know this about Albert. I didn't. Fuck no. I knew he married his cousin. I didn't know it was this bad. Yeah. So, well, in 1935, it, you know, Elsa lucks out because she dies. Be- oh. 
So oh thank go. God, final release <laughs> like, from this weirdness. However you want to look at that, maybe it's good what'd luck. She, maybe it's shit. What'd she die from? So she grew uh, gravely ill, and honestly, this is something where uh, Albert gets a, a little bit of credit, not very much, I don't think. But uh, so because Elsa took care of Albert when he was sick, if you remember, she came and nursed him back to health. Right. Albert stops kind of going out with girls and stops going to the school, and he takes care of Elsa because she's really sick. I'm not sure what she dies of. She just gets some illness, it says, in her 50s. Mm. And he takes care of her as much as he can. He spends money to try to, you know, do whatever he can to help her. Yeah. But unfortunately, she's she doesn't make it. She ends up dying. And just during this time frame, Elsa actually tells Albert that she's surprised that he's showing this much affection and care for her because he's been treating her like <laughs> shit this for a while now. Just <laughs> gone off and date like 20 girls that are all like 19 years old or whatever. And so she's like, I, I appreciate it. This is really nice. And I'm glad that you're here with me as I'm fucking dying. But yeah, she was even shocked that he cared enough to do that much. That is sad. Yeah. I mean, not that just that, yeah, not just that she died, but she, yeah, she was surprised he gives a shit. Yeah. Because he, I imagine he's not a terrible cold person. He just embraced the opportunity to fuck a bunch of chicks and made the wrong choice. Yeah. So he probably, yeah, he probably loved his fucking cousin <laughs> like, oh don't die oh no yeah well, i mean i think he cared die. for him some degree it's just he's he might have a little bit of a sex addiction well, problem we, we've had that on so many of our yeah it's weird and it's a it's a disease that men of a certain status feel that they can just get away with yeah and it's not great and they don't all do it no that's the thing it's, i mean it's tesla not... didn't have sex with anybody neither did newton yeah but that's not good either you should still be giving it to your wife well, yeah, but they didn't have wives. Yeah. I mean, Tesla had a pigeon wife. He, well, he gave it to her. <laughs> and Newton had sex with that glass, Apple that tree. glass ball he was obsessed with. Where he's like, "What's the f- in the fraction of light?" But yeah, you yeah. don't you don't have to fuck everybody or nobody. Just just your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Or or nobody. Or nobody. Nobody's better than everybody, I guess. Seems to be, <laughs> at least for the sake of other people. So anyways. I mean, you have to realize people time is going to judge you later <laughs> on your behavior. Yeah. So make the right choice, Dick, because we might change our mind about what is right and we matter. Yeah. What people time's ultimate judgment is the judgment, because yeah. there's no God. We are the judgment. Wow, that's 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 a big claim, bold. Yeah, we gave George Patton an F for fucking. We, yeah? we gave uh, Robert E. Lee an F for fucking. Yeah. We gave MLK an A, even though he cheated on his wife, because <laughs> of all the other stuff he did. Yeah. So morality's fun that way. The, we don't have to justify it. There's no God. We are the judgment. Uh, okay. I feel like this is wrong. We passed the judgment. We pass it. All right. It's stamped. Stamped. All MLK right. cool. Einstein is in the middle. <laughs> So after Elsa died, Albert said that the only way he could deal with the loss was for him to basically just throw himself at his work. He locked himself into his study, started working on more science stuff. Sad boy. Yeah, he he really did take a hard. However, a couple years later, a team of scientists showed up to speak to Albert. They stated that the Nazis might be developing a horrific new military weapon. The atomic bomb. Fuck. They tell Albert that the Nazis, if they're successful in making the bomb, it could be the end of humanity. They don't know. Like, this could be a huge disaster. It could even just send humanity back uh, a few centuries. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on, uh, you know, 
how well they are able to make the bomb if, it, if they are successful in it and if they just decide to go crazy with it or we're, we're not even fully sure how big the bomb would explode at this point we just know that it'd be a massive destruction be a big deal yeah, yeah i remember they didn't know that there were some theories that it would ignite the atmosphere and yeah. just burn the atmosphere away. Yeah. Just that, but they had no fucking idea what was going to happen. Exactly. Very scary. And, I mean, even if they just built the bomb as we know it today, Hitler could use that to hold the world as hostage. Just do what we say or we blow everybody to smithereens. I wonder if that would have worked. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. And so with Europe on the brink of war at this time, Albert was put into a difficult situation. The reason why is he has to make a decision. Stand by and let Germany build the most destructive weapon known to man or give up his pacifism and join in the race to build the bomb oh, first. shit. Yeah. Albert was disgusted by Hitler and feared the worst. He thought that if Hitler got the bomb, he would surely use it. So he decided to go ahead and go against his pacifism to help make the bomb first yeah! before the Germans would. War is important, folks. So in 1939, what? at 60 years old, Albert sent President Roosevelt a letter alerting him to this new phenomenon that a bomb could be made basically by splitting an atom We're that like, would be highly destructive. He was explaining that, like, this is real? Yeah. And uh, the idea that Roosevelt didn't know? I think his whole idea was he was trying to explain that there's this theory that you can make a, a highly explosive, like a big explosive out of something small. Mm, okay. It'd be highly destructive. And I believe the theory is correct. It's actually based off some of my own work. I didn't know that. So and energy, the... you know, high energy and small amounts of yeah. matter. So yeah. some of like the... Uh... The build-up to the Manhattan Project was Einstein being like, no, seriously, take this seriously. Some people think it was the main thing. So He's I, fucking Einstein. It is hard to argue with. There's, And I didn't know this, but there was different people talking about kind of being like, we need to act. But it might have been uh, Albert's letter to the president saying, I think we should build a bomb faster. No. I think you need to put together something to get that done. Bro, trust me. Yeah. So he actually went and talked to Roosevelt in the White House. It's noted because it had to be that he wasn't wearing socks. <laughs> um, I guess that was like kind of disrespectful. I guess I don't know. I mean, he, he didn't, show up. He didn't comb his hair, so his hair's still crazy. I'll come. He's a so he walks into the White House looking like Einstein looks. He's an eccentric. And then he goes, hey, "We got to build a bomb." <laughs> <laughs> all right, you gotta listen to me. I'm not crazy. But, I'm, not, I'm not crazy. My cousin wife just died. We got to build a bomb. Okay, I fucked a bunch of girls. My wife died. She's only my cousin. Yeah, it's whatever. Anyway. <laughs> we gotta build a bomb. I'm from Germany, by the way. You know our enemies, the Nazis? Yeah. I only left recently, but I'm Jewish. I don't identify as Jewish. It's a whole thing. Anyway, do you have a comb? <laughs> this is so a I can throw it away, because I don't comb my hair. Don't believe in combs. Actually, when you comb your hair, you're ripping electrons out of your hair. That's actually true. I need... I like the electricity. You don't get it. Let's build a bomb. Oh, shit. Quit combing your hair, guys. That's how he gets all the extra brain power. Holy He's not knocking off the electric... Uh, the extra... Holy balls. Yeah, electrons. Well, who knows how the brain even works. Maybe it's the electrons feeding from your hair. Right? Into your brain. I don't know. Sure. I believe, I'm going to write that paper. So uh, the U.S. has some concerns about Albert helping with the bomb because just like we ex stated, he's from Germany. Yeah, but like, come on. He's Jewish. And he's really more a citizen of the world. I think you forget who's in charge in some of the government positions right now. Like, I don't know, J. Edgar Hoover. Asshole. McCarthy. Asshole. 
don't think McCarthy's in charge, but uh, either in the way. Senate, yeah. Well, I assume, but yeah, yeah. So, well, there's a lot of anti-Semitism, sure, running around. Right. So, anyways, they don't want him to actually be involved in the project, but they understand that maybe his concern is legit. So they're like, "Cool, let's go ahead and start up the Manhattan Project." Hard to argue with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the Manhattan Project on uh, the Rosenbergs episode. We have an episode on the Rosenberg spies who were passing the information that the U.S. was learning more about the atomic bomb and to build it, and the Rosenbergs passed that information to the Soviets. Traitors. I don't think we've talked about it other than that. Uh, Richard Feynman uh, greatly helped go. speed up the process of building the bomb. He shaved off, we can assume, years possibly. Yeah, uh, Richard Feynman, uh, as an innovator, is not talked about enough. He's usually more a, a science populist. Yeah. He makes it fun. Yeah. But he's he's actually more of a significant scientist. Yeah, he, uh, he's one our, of my favorite people in listen history. Listen to our goddamn episode, you fuck. Yeah, Richard Feynman is great. Yeah, so Manhattan Project, whole city, let's build a bomb of death. Yeah. Uh, who's there? Uh, Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer, yep. We've got a lot of different scientists. I mean, huge team of scientists that are all working on this. Um, not to mention the entire country is now trying to build in factories and stuff. And that may not be directly to the bomb, but they're building a whole bunch of stuff that will might... Yeah, like salvaging metal. And, yeah, and exactly. They, they start um, mining... Uh, uranium. Uranium and plutonium from different places we weren't uh, fucking Belgium with Belgium was like the biggest uranium... Oh, the Congo. And the Congo, the, yeah. The Belgian Congo has the most uranium on Earth. Yeah. So we started making deals with them. Thanks, Al. Yeah. God, what a what a what a pusher and generator of the human history wheel. He well, pushed the wheel. It's interesting Good though job. because even though Albert does get dubbed the name the father of the atomic bomb, he actually didn't work on the project. I thought he did. I always thought he was like one of the head scientists that just like I'm doing the calculation parts. Yeah. I, He's not. I would assume he was like an advisor of some kind. No, they didn't trust him enough, either because of he being uh, a German descent or because they didn't think he'd keep his mouth shut. He's a Jew. But Terrible. Just like in general. I mean, there is a sense that he was a sort of a big mouth pacifist. Maybe they just didn't want to trust him with the... Maybe they thought he would like go back on his word and decide to rig it. So it wouldn't blow up or something. Something. In fear of not doing it. Or, Which, you know, he might have. Who knows? That, it, same thoughts they probably had. Because here's the thing is that, you know, Albert like, did face some criticism because you know, he was a known pacifist who left his own country at the age of 15 in order to avoid the draft. That was the whole reason why he actually denounced his citizenship of Germany when he was 15 years old. I fucking agree with that. He locked himself away during World War One. He didn't want to be a part of it at all. And now was ironically urging to build the most destructive weapon ever created. <laughs> right. So Albert tried to justify this to the people oh, who were like, shit. you're supposed to be a pacifist, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, look, here's the thing is I'll always choose peace when it's an option. However, I think that as long as Hitler is alive and in power, I don't think peace will ever be an option. So, nope. yeah, I'm going to help build or help push to have this bomb built before the Germans do, because I think it's at least, if anything, I'm going to try to put it into somewhat safer hands. Yeah. What a sad compromise, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love this because he goes, uh, later in life, he goes back to this point, and he talks about it a lot. He regrets it. He wishes he didn't actually send the letter to Roosevelt. At the same time, he still justifies it, and I think you can see this real conflict of, look, this is a, a very a cornered position I was put into. It yeah. was, if I knew the Germans wouldn't have been able to succeed in making the bomb, I wouldn't have lifted a finger. Wouldn't have gotten involved at all. 
everything's fine. But if there was a chance that they could have, it would have been better for me to put that bomb into the hands of somebody, anyone else other than Hitler. And that's the problem is that after the war, we realized that their experimentation was considerably further behind than ours, and we didn't realize that. Yeah. So making that gamble, I agree, was the right choice. I agree too. I mean, it sucks balls. It's like, a shit scenario. I disagree with uh, with Truman's use of the bomb on Japan, but developing it as a negotiation piece was important. I think... That... And peace. I love pacifists. It's a very brave stance to take. It's unrealistic. <laughs> Humans kill each other. It's not going to stop. So it's better to be in front of it and anticipate and make the right choices. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with... with albert on this is that uh look if i had any other option i wouldn't be involved in creating a bomb or anything. if we knew but if we all had with the information context, we would all do different shit yeah but if with the information they had and the possibility of hitler getting an atomic bomb yeah yeah uh go with beating him to it and we so lucked out because after we uh, i mean i guess we don't they burned a bunch of shit but what we found was that they were more develop or invested in proving that the aryan race was pure yeah and that uh some version of like an interdimensional they were fucking with like ufo shit yeah yeah and they thought that they could they could break gravity and so they were like a, a superman army yeah yeah. So they were working with some non-scientific shit, yeah. and and we're lucky that that's the case. That they had Nazism is a very mystical type of religion. Looking for the Ten Commandments and shit, dude. Heinrich Himmler spent like four years in Tibet looking for the elixir of the Aryan race. Yeah. So we're lucky that they didn't invest in the in real science. Otherwise, they probably would have. Maybe beat us made, to it. Made, yeah. yeah, because they were investing in bizarre shit. So we lucked out, but it was the right gamble to get ahead of it. And with the information, they, especially with the information they had, and they, yeah. didn't, they didn't know how far away they were to it, so yeah. And we had no reason to believe that the, that the Nazis wouldn't be ahead of it because they, were, they, they looked no-nonsense. Yeah. And they were no-nonsense about some weird Jesus stuff. Yeah. We just misinterpreted that. Well, either way, the atomic tests are, you know, the, the, the science team is built up. They built the atomic bombs. Tests are ran. And then on August of 1945, two atomic bombs were dropped. One was dropped on Hiroshima. The other one was dropped on Nagasaki. Bummer. Nearly 200,000 people were killed from these bombs. Horrible. And when Albert received this news, he put his head in his hands and said, I could burn my fingers that I wrote that letter to President Roosevelt. He greatly mm. regretted doing it at that point. He knew that it costs lives and a lot of them so that he, was he hated it that was truman's call buddy it's not it's okay he still felt very responsibly very guilty i think you did the right thing i think truman did the wrong thing it's you're okay al there you, go. you shouldn't mean, have cheated on your richard wife feynman went through a very so similar times. thing if you remember on his uh, episode he hated that that was, what he was a part yeah of. he he went full hippie yeah because he was like i can't deal with being responsible for this well i'm never gonna work with the government again fuck that Fucking so, A. It's, a. it's a tough call. I, yeah. Humanity is a gray area. Yeah. Period. And here's the, actually what I was saying earlier, the exact quote. Albert was stating that with his deep regrets when it came to creating the atomic bomb, if I had known that the Germans would not succeed in constructing the atomic bomb, I never would have moved a finger. So that's like the direct quote of him saying that. Yeah, but none of us are Dr. Manhattan. We don't have full context. No. If we did, we'd all act perfectly all the time, and there's like a whole Kurt Vonnegut novel about that. 
yeah. about he how even if you have perfect context, you still fuck up. Wasn't that the, uh, the Children's Crusade? Well, Slaughterhouse-Five touches on it. There's another novel, I think it's a Piano Player, maybe, where the Trophmadorians are a bigger part. I was going to say, because I haven't read that one, because I only read Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah. And you're going back and forth in time. There's a few, so he has one. He does that in other books? He has one called uh, Sirens of Titan and one called Time Quake, where he goes back and forth in time. I need to read all these. They're so good. He's amazing. And that's the point he makes, is that the Trophmadorians are fourth dimensional, where like the beginning and the ending of time are the same as physical space for us and they still see morality as a bendable gray space because they're like there's no proof to anything yeah i liked in uh in the children's crusade i know i say i go back and forth because that's such a long fucking title name but anyways that they talk about the end of the universe and it's because of a fuck up that somebody accidentally pushes the button and then but it's in the future and he's trying to talk to them about it. He's like, well, why don't you stop it? Yeah. Why don't you stop it? Like, what do you mean? Stop it. He's always, it already happened. Yeah. He's all he's always hitting it. Yeah. At that moment in time, he's always hitting it. There's nothing. Yeah. Hitting. And he's just like, can't wrap his head around that. And that's, you know, that's the, so it's a, it's a joke about fatalism that like, you can't change the past or future, but it's also a, a comment on morality that like, you're always going to try and do your best yeah. and you might make the wrong choice. Yeah. If you're, because like in 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 uh in Slaughterhouse Five, his captors, Kurt Vonnegut's actual captors when he was in Dresden, were kids. Yeah. And he always talked about that, about how it's the children's crusade because he was like twenty, but his Nazi captors were like twenty. Yeah, they're kids. Yeah. He's like they didn't know better. I didn't know better. Morality is this. Uh, you make you do the best you can. And then it's in the past, and it's in the future, and it's always happening. Yeah. So you don't don't hit don't judge yourself so much. Because I forget that a lot of that was kind of based around not a lot of it, but some degree of it was based around the fact that he was in the military and in the war. Yeah. Uh, the, we the author Kurt we Vonnegut. we might do Kurt Vonnegut at some point because yeah. So uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki are the the single largest one blast uh, casualty right. event of World War Two. The second biggest casualty of World War II is Dresden, Germany, right. when it was a firebomb assault the from... firebombs, I think, actually killed more. I think it, it might have actually killed more. I think it killed more than the bombs. Where Dre- the city bomb. of Dresden was just leveled, and Vonnegut was a prisoner of war, and some captors held him in an underground like um, freezer, like an underground meat yeah. freezer. So they, they survived. But when they came out to the surface, he saw such destruction that it broke his goddamn brain. Yeah. And what a what a fucking great novel! But that did happen to him. Yeah. Where the only way he could figure it out was is like, why does sh- why does awful things happen? What what about aliens who see time as a dimension? How do we how do we deal with? He's a genius. Fatalism. He's a I fucking I gotta go read more of his books. And I have to go back and read Children's Crusade again. I got all his books. You can borrow them. They're great. Yeah. He's my, he's my dude. Anyways, we've gone a little bit off topic. What's um what do we uh, so okay so we're talking about Tom. Hanks. <laughs> Is that where we are? No. He was on the island. So, Albert... One of the worst scenes ever. Albert is horrified, of course, by the destruction of the atomic bomb. He uses his celebrity status to speak out against using weapons of mass destruction. And he actually leads a coalition of scientists who argued for the international agency to be created to help control nuclear weapons. Good. So... Yes, he helps basically with his own theories. The bomb can be created, and then he pushed to have that bomb be created. But then when the government decided to use it on civilians and the way they did, 
he then instantly goes into, we can't let this happen again. Yeah. So he wants to try to bring peace back and be like, look, maybe if we just have an international, multiple countries are involved, talk about nuclear weapons and basically how to make sure this doesn't happen again. Keep control on it. Smart. And it was a really... Good, good man. Yeah, I think it was a really great effort for him to do that. It does work really well. There is an agency that does get created because of uh, Albert's efforts. I think it still exists, yeah. Yeah, and funny enough, though, is it does meet some resistance because at this time we have in office Dumpy J. Edgar Hoover, who is actually running a secret campaign. If you haven't heard any of our other episodes where we've brought up J. Edgar Hoover, for some reason he comes up a shit ton, I've realized. It's very influential. I mean, I get it that he's going to be around but like there's it seems like times when he wouldn't think he's around like he's in martin luther king episode because he was wiretapping martin luther king yep he's in uh well, i mean i'm sure he's in the rosenbergs the rosenbergs he was in uh yuri gagarin yuri gagarin uh fine Feynman. yeah Feynman. Uh, uh he's in everything jfk he was a big part of nixon uh, nixon he, he's uh, gonna be a part of the marilyn monroe episode we should just do an episode on the fucking Let's guy. Let's just get it done with. Because I don't, I do not I judge trans people. No, not trans people. I judge Thinking him. Thinking of his dumb fuck sucks. wearing his mom's dress, being confused and sad and angry about himself, and then taking it out on the world. It's pretty funny. That has me. a humorous, yeah. It's pretty funny because he's wearing his mom's dress and not admitting to himself that maybe he could be happy doing that. Instead, he just goes, Kill everyone. Well, I think the humor I see in it is is the irony that here's a guy who is literally trying to spy into people's lives in the manner that of things that they don't want other people to know about. Right. And then here's a guy who is, you know, rightfully so because of the time frame, not because it's morally Shame. correct, is shamed yeah. because he's wearing women's clothing. But it's just the irony that he's diving into other people's would, lives. But if anyone dived into his lives, he would feel... Would you fuck me? Oh, God. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. I'd fuck me hard. Yeah. Poor, that's what sucks. Hoover, poor, poor, sad, little stupid Dumpy man. Dumpy Hoover. But you fucked up a lot of shit, man. Yeah, he was a terrible person. Not because he dressed in his mother's clothing or Mom. wanted to dress in women's clothing. He was a terrible person because he sucked. He was trying to... He was an he, asshole. He put on a giant witch hunt with him and McCarthy. And uh, he didn't give a fuck about American or its its rights... It's people's rights. We should do a Hoover episode. It would just be bottomless. It's so just going to be us we, making fun of them. It would hard. literally be like every four sentences, we would talk shit, and then we'd backtrack and be like, but trans stuff is okay. <laughs> now, we want to make sure everyone's clear on this. We, we don't have no... judge that. Yeah, of course no, not. Oh, dumpy ass. So, dumpy J. Edgar Hoover, he's running a secret campaign at first against Albert. He uh, doesn't want anyone to know about it because he's afraid that if the American people found out, he was trying to investigate Albert as being a possible communist. Thinking that, okay, he's he a would lose credibility. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to pin Albert as, that's what he's trying to do with everybody. He thinks everyone's a communist. I well, wouldn't be surprised if he went and looked in the mirror and saw himself in normal clothing and was like, commie! Oh, that's me. I'm not wearing my mom's clothing. Oh, shit. I didn't recognize me at first. This happens every morning. I really just point at whoever's in front of me and just say, oh, my God, call me. But anyways. Boys, I got someone in the house I need you to arrest. He's a pacifist. So in... Oh, shit. It's me without my makeup on. Don't come in, boys. (laughs) Okay. uh, Cancel. Cancel orders. I gotta put a dress on underneath my suit. (laughs) Make me feel better. Yeah. Feel the lace against my skin. That's nice. Mm, Americanism. Mm, American freedom. Oh, yeah. Communists. Who's who's it? Who's it? 
I do like that, that there's that concept that if you announce yourself publicly as a pacifist, that everyone goes, Kami! Yeah, that's essentially also what uh, Hoover's trying to do with H- Einstein. Hilarious. Yeah. So in 1949, Russia actually ends up detonating their first nuclear bomb because now they've caught up by this point, and they're now doing their own tests. And J. Edgar Hoover accuses Albert of being a communist. And, I mean, who's surprised? He's He's saying that to everybody but hoover he had been gathering actually information on albert who's now in his 70s but he's been gathering information from him since he came to america and he's still gathering even though albert's in his 70s now like what's albert gonna do yeah I, i get that it's like the fbi's job to collect info but there is a line where you're like, the dude hasn't done anything in say, decades. Yeah, I was going to say, there's also efficiency in making sure that you're not wasting resources and time and collecting information on people hella, who it doesn't matter. Hella waste. And you know that they, they're, they've bugged his house, and they're sitting out in a van outside that's marked, you know. He's pe- fucking another 19-year-old. Carpet cleaner. And they're just like, all right, let's listen. All right. Okay. He's definitely making tea. Yep. I think he's writing on a chalkboard inside his house. It sounds like a chalkboard. Hold on. So... Write down what you think he's saying on the chalkboard. Eth to white America. Oh. oh my God, we knew it. Write that down. Send it to say it. That's evidence. Send it to J. Edgar. Okay, so some bitch just pulled up. Um, she's pretty cute. She's going into the house. Turn the mics up. Turn, yeah, turn the mics up. Uh, 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 okay, hold, hold on. Translate what you think that. I think he's saying death. To America. <laughs> in Morse code, into her pussy. Oh my god, this is one of the sickest communists we've ever come across. He's she, a genius. That makes sense he would use I Morse code. I will not argue that he's not a genius. This is genius. Yeah. But the way I'm she, a genius for figuring that out. Morse here's code. The, here's the thing. I've never made a woman sound that way. In my life. That's some commie <laughs> shit. That's some... Mostly I get... Free love shit. Can we do this later? I have a headache. All right, fine. Oh, man, you are so big. This feels great. Oh, I'm going to come. Yeah, me too. That's what my Get wife off. says. So most nights I kind of have to hold her down because she's not into it. Jesus. Um, that's the American way. This bitch wants it. Yeah. You can On the microphones, you can hear her sloshy pussy. So that's some communist shit. I think we need to raid the house. Okay. Did that joke fall? It just fell away? It was... Holding down your own wife to have sex with her. Oh my god! Well, it's because his marriage is awful. Because <laughs> he, he's a terrible person. Yeah. You get okay. You get it. Uh, no, I'm not saying that. Like, yeah, we're making a of a, a terrible person of, of this fictional. The FBI. Uh, Hoover spy. spy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not me. <laughs> no, of course not. I couldn't hold my wife down. It She's just stronger than me. It made me think of that senator or whoever his name was who said you can't rape your wife, and then you're like, what a fucking dirtbag. And then it got even worse <sighs> yeah, because he name? said something along the lines. He tweeted something along the lines of, "It was that it doesn't matter really because it's not like." women really want to have sex anyways and they, like he outed himself of basically yeah, like, like basically nobody wanted to have sex you're with, not saying what you think you're saying like, bro. it's a self-burn dude that's i think what, that's the same guy who said that uh you can't get pregnant from rape because the body would reject it he said that oh my god yeah where he's like the body would recognize it's rape and reject that anyways i totally fell off oh the fbi watching <laughs> watching <laughs> watching al yeah so 
So Joseph McCarthy's also involved by this point in his witch hunt, including Albert into his list of people that he's trying to investigate as well. Yeah, the uh, the un-American uh, com- uh, committee. Yeah, in the house, the House Un-American Committee. We actually talked about this in Tricky Dick's episode. Yeah, yeah which is that. just the you're a communist, you're a communist, you're a communist, but they never actually found a communist because the Rosenbergs just got away with I it. I love it. Yeah, they pretty- were. Far. Yeah, they were sitting there accusing everybody in the world of being a communist and maybe a couple on sheer luck because they were pointing their finger at everybody. So you're going to catch some of them. But then the Rosenbergs slid by for yeah, a while. We talked about that. That's a lot of others. There's that, there's that idea that McCarthy is a communist because yeah. he pointed at everyone except a communist. Yeah. Ass. Which is smart. Hey, man, if he, was a, if he was a communist spy, that's the way to do it. Get everybody all hyped up and then He's point a- it goddamn hero if he's a communist yeah, for a russia yeah. yeah anyways so mccarthy ended up calling albert an enemy of america albert fights back against mccarthy mccarthy at this time if you got accused of being a communist and we've discussed this a little bit on tricky dick uh, it's terrible because you have very limited options the two options you basically have is don't answer the questions and then he accuses you of being a communist because why wouldn't you want to answer our simple questions unless you were a communist right which is a terrible and not it shouldn't be not admissible evidence to use against somebody, but that's what he would do. And then the other option was, okay, you agree to answer his questions, but his questions are full of who in your family is a communist. You must have members that you've heard talk about communism. Who's your neighbors that are communists? Point us to more people and we'll go easier on you. Yeah. And those are the only two options you really had, both of which would most likely end your career whenever you were working because you were accused of communism. Well, like how many careers were ended by McCarthy just bullshitting? Yeah, pretty much. Sad. Uh, lots. We actually talked a little bit about like the film industry like had hundreds of people that just lost their jobs because they were accused of communism in their films or their radio uh, stations. And yeah, we're, yeah, Hollywood progress. types and artists were just ousted yeah. out, of, out of some baseless fear. Even if it wasn't communist-based or even if it was, they should have the right to the freedom of being able to talk about that. That's the other thing is that in America you can be a goddamn communist if you feel like it. Yeah, I don't know how the whole McCarthy thing was able to run as long as it did, but whatever. The Red Scare, the Cold War, yeah, all this shit. It's the same thing as the satanic panic in the 80s and QAnon now. People are fucking idiots. I agree. But Albert had a great way of trying to fight against this. He made a public statement to everyone saying, basically, if you get called by McCarthy's team to come to a hearing or that you're a communist, you shouldn't answer any questions. As long as everybody just chooses not to answer the questions, they're out of business. Smart. And so that was Albert's response. Because you can't answer correctly. No, there's nothing you can do. They're on a witch hunt. It's going crazy. And, I, and you know, it sucks because I love the idea of using the phrase of witch hunts, and now it's been tainted because some jackass orange fucker has been saying it so much that it's lost its meaning, and he thinks he's, like, the very first person ever to say it. Like, fucking, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Yeah, it makes me homicidal. So glad that guy's fucking... Anyways, okay. Why can't he be dead? <laughs> yeah. Be dead already. Soon enough. I'm sure but I appreciate age. that from Al, because a lot of people suffered and, and were confused about how to deal with McCarthy. Because he, he riled up the public. He mm-hmm. riled up the Congress. And Albert's like, just everyone calm down. Don't speak to the man. Yeah, don't keep him in don't, business. Don't, don't give him en- what they want. Don't engage with crazy. Yeah. I do love, if I can say... What are we? He's in his 60s now? He's in his 70s. 70s? Yeah. Dead wife. Man. Come on. How many How many interns is he fucking now? <laughs> now that I don't judge him for being married. Like, <laughs> I think he's... Get it, boy! He might be still Get going. it, boy! Get it! 
And the funny thing is, is that a lot of people, th like, if they spoke out against McCarthy or J. Edgar Hoover, for that matter, you know, you could be risking your reputation, your career, just for making some sort of claim that uh, Albert did. Albert didn't yeah. lose his reputation over this. As a matter of fact, no, he he's still the he's still a world genius. However, he stated that he didn't care if he lost his reputation over this. He said that I'd rather go to jail and stand up for the rights of what this country is supposed to be believing in. Bam. He's like, that's what I've always loved about the, about America and why I became a citizen here was because you actually had the freedom to speak out against your government without being condemned for it. And here you have your government who's trying to do just that. People should speak out against it. I feel like them. doing a standing ovation, man. Yeah. I, I really, yeah. America, like, America sucks, but we have that thin line yeah. of being like, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, Trump. Fuck you. Yeah beautiful stand for the fuck you yeah and so and that's what uh albert was saying is that you guys have to realize Dicks up for the fuck you what you've got here is very important of freedom of speech so you should stand up against anyone who's trying to and self-identify self as a communist if you want i mean intelligent people around you will recognize that you're an idiot but that's fine yeah be a communist just i don't care shut up <laughs> I don't give a shit. Oh, so Albert actually even went more outspoken and said uh, he kind of drew lines between McCarthyism and Nazi Germany. So he's starting to get some attention on it. And it's be like, it's yeah, closer. This is kind of what Nazis do. Is they first they take away your rights, and then they start mm -hmm. to fuck you in the ass. So. Or they make baseless accusations about what Jewish people are yeah. and what communists are. Uh, and you know that it's fake, but you feel compelled to be afraid of it. Yeah. And you start lying, and then you don't give a shit about your neighbors because you're afraid of the man. That's where the shit is fucked. Yeah. Well... Fuck everybody. The good news is that Hoover was never able to build a credible case against Albert, so he never even got pulled into a hearing of any kind. But, you know, that night, his mom came home with a pair of heels that he fit into comfortably. Oh, man. And he put on a record of the Supremes. And he was like, baby love, my baby love, I need you. Oh, how I need you, love. And he's tucking his dick. And he's he's got this wave, wavy dance where he's like, I don't care about Albert. I don't need this. Ooh. And he puts on a pair of roller skates. And he rides around the house. And his 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 dumb fat mom is asleep and he eats chicken right out of the bowl and <laughs> right out of the bowl and he gets in front of the mirror and he rubs the chicken on his nipples and he decides on monday jay edgar i don't even know my first name it's, <laughs> it's jay i'm gonna walk in there and i'm gonna make america great he didn't no but he felt like he was going to because his nipples were all greasy he felt good about it. Leva, <laughs> uh, she unfortunately grew ill, and she died in 1948. Albert's two sons, Hans and Edward, moved to the U.S. Hans was also a devoted scientist. He was uh, an engineer and lectured on engineering, as I kind of stated earlier. Sure. But the two rarely spoke to each other. I mean, Hans and Albert. So That's a bummer. So Al Albert, was just not interested I don't know what was going on exactly. I just know. I, I think they met up a couple times. As a matter of fact, at one point, we talked about it in, surprisingly, well, another one we did, Jade Hoover popping in. Fucking guy. Yeah, we did uh, Bobby Fisher. Oh, yeah. Bobby Fisher's dad worked with Albert's son, Hans. Wow. On, on, I think on the Manhattan Project, or at least not the Manhattan Project, but some sort of military weapon shit. It's so weird how often this 
like this uh the podcast feels like there's only been 12 people that ever existed yeah they all, and they all just other. know each other and it's, it's so-and-so's brother remember when we did so-and-so his brother's that guy and so you're so-and-so's like, brother's cousin was also hanging out with so-and-so yeah. it's just a circular thing huh. like you and me and all the dabblers and all of our parents don't matter we're all peasants yeah the only people that ever mattered are like 12 people yeah, and they all knew each other. Yeah, they all knew each other. And Some of them were other. related to each other when they were fucking each other. Generally, yeah, they were all <laughs> fucking each other. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, we're related. We're the elite. You're my cousin. Oh, let's, you're my cousin. Let's create the Illuminati and and drink baby blood." And they were like, "Yeah, yeah. this is awesome." So Hans and Albert didn't talk that much. I think they met up a few times. What did the, the so Edward? Yeah, so Hans is the engineer. Is the younger kid anything? No, so Edward had uh, mental disorders. And at one point, he had a, a psychotic break and spent most of his life in and out of psychiatric yikes um, hospitals and institutions. Yeah, I guess he when you didn't when do super well. When your dad's a genius, you know your brain comes out big and maybe it just breaks. Yeah, I'm you not know, sure what disorders he had exactly, but you know it's fun to tie back to what we were talking about before. Kurt Vonnegut's son has schizophrenia. Oh, I didn't know that. He went bananas. He wrote a pretty good book about being crazy. He did. Yeah. Oh, he wrote the book. I take it after. Like he, yeah, got he's, he got on the right medication. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when your dad is some kind, or I'm sorry, one of your parents is some kind of genius, and you inherit those genes, you become bananas. Yeah, well, that's kind of what we we're talking about. With Bobby Fisher, Bobby's dad was, yeah, quite intelligent, but also had some sort of kind of strange paranoia or something, and and some OCD. And then Bobby yeah. Fisher had huge paranoia. And well, OCD. how much of 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 geniusism is a mixture of what we would consider a mental disability and an inherent uh, like a, smartness. Yeah, it always seems like that it can sometimes be one and the same. I, I mean, mean, Tesla was a genius, but he also slept like three hours a day and thought a pigeon was his wife. I don't know what to do that guy. So, both of my parents um, are a little off, and I'm bananas. So it stands up. Oh, it works. There you go. Albert continued working daily on his scientific theories until April 17, 1955, when he was sent to a hospital due to chest pains. It was a problem that could have been solved with surgery. They believed that if he would have had the surgery, he definitely would have. Like a, what, what are they, would they change the thing for a, a valve? I'm not sure exactly Yeah, a valve, like was. a cow valve they replace it with? Yeah, I, I know he died of an aneurysm, but that was a little bit after. But whatever the issue he initially went into, they were going to be able to solve. But he told the doctors, he, he declined the surgery and told the doctors, I want to go when I want. It is tasteless to prolong life artificially. I have done my share. It is time to go. I will do it elegantly. I agree. Die at home. Yeah. And a day later, like literally the day afterwards, he died at the age of 76 years old. So it was April 18th, 1955. 55. Wow. I thought he lived longer than that. Uh, Albert's last words are not known because Albert spoke them in German, and the only person around to hear it was a night nurse who did not speak German. So he was saying something. Did she try and, like, fake it later? I'm assuming he was just mumbling it to her, and she was like, what? I don't understand oh, that. Oh, yeah. And then he passed, and then she obviously did the nurse thing. It was like, we got to get people in here, see if we can revive him or whatever, and then not. And then they're like, well, did he say anything to you? And she's like, yeah, but it was in German. Can you recreate that? And she's like, that was fucking 30 minutes ago after a bunch of hyped up, I don't know, he was mumbling shit at me. Okay, hang on. He, okay, so I gave him the pills. He said, und keiner Eier. What does it mean? And no eggs. His body is cremated, and his ashes were spread out in an unknown location. 
It wasn't. It was his wishes that he be cremated. I'm it? assuming it was his wishes of where to spread his ashes, but he did not state. Wherever he's from. Vienna or Breckes Garden. Where's he from? Germany. Yeah, but. Oilum. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's where his ashes are. My ashes are in oil. That sounds like a weird death metal song. It does. Like a black metal song. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like the end of a really stupid macabre poem. <laughs> My ashes are in Olam. Yeah. There's Albert. He rewrote the laws of physics and greatly changed science for mankind. Albert's work has influenced advanced modern quantum mechanics, the model of physical time, the underlining of light and solar panels, and even modern chemistry. We also Jesus. go into the details of his theories that are still used and been proven today. Some of his papers that he wrote, which was over 300 different scientific papers, many of which have been proven uh, to be correct and true so, over the years. Some of them were like more recently. I remember in the 90s at one point, they're like, so Albert Einstein had a paper about this back in the fucking 1920s, and we just weren't able to prove it now here in yeah. 1995 or whatever. Well, I do have some fun facts if you'd like to go over real quick just before we end the episode. I love fun. Me too. I know I brought it up before, but as an older man, Einstein explained how important music was for him in his life. Ooh, yeah. So he played the violin. Fi- we talked yeah. about that. It actually was a really big part of him. He said, if he wasn't going to be a physicist, I would probably be a musician. I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. I see my life in terms of music. So a lot of people may not have known that about Albert Einstein, but music was a huge part of his life, and he was actually a really skilled yeah. uh, violin player. I don't know how much I feel like his uh, the way he defined his, his science, defined by uh, musical interpretations, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, in a physical sense. Yeah. It'd be fun to think things in music while you're figuring out math shit you're like this is well, kind of like middle c matched up with the harmony hmm, of what the a third what a melody and the fact that he played violin and direct uh, corollary of his theories became string theory oh yeah oh, oh. my oh my fun. oh my god um, another fun fact is is that this is brought up often is i guess it's like a fun antidote a compass is what triggered uh, Einstein to become so involved uh-huh. in, in curiosity. A compass, to, you say? Yeah, according to Albert himself. So he said at a young age, Albert's father gave him a compass. And Albert later would claim that this is like the greatest, most important moments that really pushed him to go and want to investigate why things worked. Because he looked at the compass. He saw the little hand moving around towards mm-hmm. north and went, why? why? He's like, this was like magic. That's what. I, that's the only way I could think of it was this is doing something that I don't understand how it's magical. Fair. And he's like, it, it was fun to go and investigate and figure out not only why I was appointed to north, but then it led me to, to go into magnets and why are magnets doing these things? And, yeah. And he's like, this is all really what pushed me into this scenario of wanting to become a scientist. It's a compass. When this is kind of funny. So when Albert was 73 years old, not very long before he died, Israel, uh, their presidency was vacant. There was like somebody who needed to become president of Israel, and like the, like their government, they offered to Albert to, like, do you want to be the president of Israel? That's be- awesome. Because they saw him as being like the greatest Jew alive. So they're like, yeah, why don't you come be our president? Albert politely declined. Was like, I'm not the guy. That can. <laughs> it's like I'm not a people person. I'm not a government person. Uh, I don't do politics, man. And I'm I'm 73 years old. That's hilarious, though. But they offered it to him. Albert used to charge people for his autograph when they would ask for it, and then he would <laughs> donate the money to charity. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So oh, they okay. people would come up because he got sick of people coming up all the time. So he's like, fine. You want me? To, you want my autograph? It's gonna cost you. you know, but 25. you have that. You have that goddamn face. People know you, and you're you can't go to the market 
without being harassed. So you're like, yeah. I better make a thing out of this. So he donated all the money that he got from his autographs. Awesome. Here's one that everyone talked about for a little while. Before Albert was fully cremated, the autopsy was performed by Thomas Harvey, a pathologist at Princeton University who, against Albert's wishes, removed Albert's brain so that he could study it. Now, it was asked of Albert, we want to study your brain, and Albert said, you're not going to find anything different than an average brain. Leave my brain alone. It's just a brain. Yeah, just... It's a pile of meat. Yeah, cremate me. And he was pretty certain that that, that's exactly what was going to happen. Oh, no, I've heard about this. They stole his goddamn brain. So, yeah, he took out his brain and tried to study it and found that it looked pretty much just like every other average person's brain. And he then decided to dissect it into over 200 different pieces. He sent a lot of those pieces to other scientists around the world. A lot of it is lost or had deteriorated or people had dissected it so much that it was just basically goo. So you think there's like and billionaire weirdos with like a slice of his brain secretly in a freezer somewhere? There's still some around. That's... Matter of fact, this guy right here, Thomas Harvey, is the one who stole the brain essentially. There's a picture of him in like 1999 holding up a jar that has supposedly and probably Albert's brain in it, a piece of it. <laughs> Uh, there's no reason not to believe that it's not. Why it matters, it oh, shouldn't. Man. It's so funny, you know, like when we talk about like old saints and they cut their fucking fingers off and and oh, and, right. and monasteries hold on to them. That's the same concept. Yeah, yeah. It's Humans stupid. are so silly where they're like, I must hold on to the piece of you that connects me to something better. Yeah. Well, and <sighs> and you know, Harvey, he thought he was actually going to find some sort of difference, but on top of that, I mean, he actually ends up losing his job before he sends off. Albert's brain all around the world because Princeton was like you can't do that you give us the brain give us Albert's brain yeah this is weird buddy and because he this is weird did not give the brain they fired him so he no I must put the brain into my brain now there was a claim that was made in the 90s that Albert's parietal lobes I don't want to say that word parietal parietal Thank you. Parietal lobes, the part of the brain responsible supposedly for mathematical, visual, and spatial cognition, was 15% larger than the average brain, or that it was uh, had unusual folds that didn't match up with the normal brain that you would see on average. Yeah, However, I... all of that was completely dismissed and discredited, saying that was bullshit. Oh, okay. I mean, I was going to say that I disagree with the man for taking the brain to dissect it like that. Especially when Al told him not to. Yeah. But I would anticipate that his brain would have... Something different? A few a few couple of extra folds. Something that would give a physical representation of his creativity. But also you could anticipate that maybe not. Because the brain is a weird muscle. As far as we know, that's the most credible source and idea behind it is that there wasn't anything different. But not also, anything noticeable. What are you going to prove? If you prove he has extra folds, what are you going to do? What go, is Going to go fold someone's brain a little bit more? Yeah, you're going to go open a Let kid's brain up and just fold it and Don't be like, worry. you're going to be a genius. <laughs> yeah. It's That's not, gonna... not how it works, buddy. What? Yeah, what's the end game here? Yeah. Yeah, so another thing that was very popular, like, kind of not too long ago, uh, I remember reading a lot about it. So Albert published over 300 different scientific papers over his lifetime. A popular curiosity is Albert's unfinished work, now known as the theory of everything. Toe. Which is a paper where Albert was trying to find the equation that would work both in general relativity and quantum physics. Albert wasn't able to ever finish this work. Sad. Now, I didn't go into a lot of this before, but when he did his other papers that are now huge, both of his special relativity and general relativity, he constantly would go back and revise over and over and over. He'd fix things, he would start going down a path, and he'd erase all that, and that's not right, and go this way. He's trying to make his, his original papers be the toe 
you're yeah. saying? I think it was just him while he was figuring stuff out. He would it, hypothesize. You would first come up with an idea. You don't know if it's oh. right or not. You would okay. start to explore down it. And then if it didn't seem like it was working, you erase it and then you go down a different path. The reason why I bring any of this up is because people now look over his current papers that you know he had unfinished yeah. for the theory of everything and they go it doesn't work it, it's a failed you know he failed at trying to find this which is true he died before yeah. doing but he might have been going down a path that he might have not continued down it's not like he was set in stone to, to say yeah. but the it's, papers have brought in a lot of attention that it's still a huge curiosity by some of the brightest minds today they like the idea and it just needs you know to be either reworked or maybe scrapped and yeah Worked I mean, all over, but still. So I was going to leave you with a thought experiment that has been plaguing me for decades, and I'm one, not a scientist, and not say, smart enough. You say decades? I think when I was about about the time when I was first learning about relativity, all the right. theory of relativity. Sounds serious. I'm ready. It, it's a combination of two things. So if we did a bad job of explaining uh, the theory of relativity and how time changes, it, this is not going to be super uh, helpful. <laughs> do this thought experiment. You might need to go listen to someone who's smarter and explain it. But R- Richard Feynman does a good job. Yeah, there you go. We're, we're Sagan. Sagan, yeah. So here's the thought experiment. It consists of two parts. Uh, one is the differences in how time works in different areas of mass, right? Okay. And then the other one comes from a book, uh, if you ever read Ender's Game. So no. it doesn't really matter. I'm going to just explain something that he... Uh, has an invention in this book where they have what's called, I think it's an, an ansible is what it's called. Either way, mm. the point of it is it's a device that allows you to talk to people no matter how far away instantaneously. So no okay. matter what time frame that they would be in, in a different galaxy or whatever, when you talk into it, they like, hear it at that like exact moment. Quantum entanglement? Is that the and that's where I brought argument? in that idea was, well, if you were to use quantum entanglement, you took a bunch of these particles and you used, I don't know, ones and zeros. One spins one way, zero spins the other, or Morse code, however you want to go about it. It doesn't yeah. matter. You launch them onto a spaceship. That spaceship then flies really far away, let's say, to, um, you know, around a black hole. And it's going around the edge of it. So it's great gravity, which means time is super duper slow. Right. So now... I'm here on Earth, and I want to send a message to them instantaneously. Now, my question is, is if the if you're having a, a full-on conversation talking back and forth. So I'm talking to a guy who's revolving around a black hole? Yeah. Okay. And about it, I'm using quantum entanglement Yep. We, we just our gave walkie-talkies. A bunch of particles, and then whenever we want one to spin the other way, we make it spin the other way, and then that would be the message, essentially. Cool. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. So it could technically be We could talk possible. Morse code. Yeah. So we're doing that. Now, what I want to know is what happens when this spaceship has been going around this uh, black hole. It's going slower, which means me on Earth, I'm getting older faster than yeah. they are. Yeah. So I'm getting old. But we're talking... It's being weighed down by the mass. Now, what happens if that spaceship were able to travel at, say, the speed of light or near the speed of light, and it started coming back towards Earth, and we kept having this conversation? Yeah. How would that sound, especially because I'm... I'm technically getting older. So every single sentence, and it's happened instantaneously. So he's getting closer to Earth, and mm. by the time he gets there, I'm, for all we know, dead because it takes that long. But let's say that you are you can live a thousand years for the sake of the experiment Okay. to keep the consciousness uh, uh, in, in one linear experiment. Even if I wasn't, he or should let's, technically let's, be able to still have the conversation. As let's if, say you're a robot so you don't die. So you're using quantum entanglement to talk to... The ship at the black hole, and then the black hole leaves orbit and is going at light speed toward you. Yeah. 
Now we should and technically, he has the same entangled, but it's instantaneous. Remember, so yeah. we are talking in real time. But I'm should be technically aging so fast that even though we're talking in real time, I'm getting older. But from my perspective, I'm not. It sounds like the conversation should just be fluid. There's no gaps because it's instantaneous. Well, to you though, and to him, it's instantaneous as well. But he is traveling towards it, me, and by the time he gets to me, I'm a lot older, and he's not. I mean, or I think dead. that's the argument of where the, the toe comes in, because you have Einstein's explanation would be that you would be saying, "Hello, how you doing? What's going on?" And he would hear it as "Hello," and then a hundred years later, we go, "What's going on?" You would, and I would he thought- would, and he would react. Uh, in that time, because if he sent any anything to you, it would take his perspective time to get to you. Now, I thought about that too, but with quantum entanglement or instantaneous communication, it shouldn't have gaps. It shouldn't. And th- and I think that's why the toe is an important question because if we want to become a space-faring species, this might come up. <laughs> yeah, if we want to do Star Trek shit. Yeah, and and that's that's the problem is that so you have Einstein's explanation is that there would be a gap and the, the shit would get crossed and be weird, which is why I think he, he called entanglement spookiness Spooky from a distance. Stuff. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But from a quantum mechanical sense, I think that they would be... F- I, I don't... The communication should be straight. It should be straight, exactly. It should be no... <clears throat> which, no makes, which makes absolutely no sense. Those two things can't seem to exist at the same time. Exactly. That's the problem so, I have, but both those things are true. Yeah, that if you apply relativity, it gets mixed up, and if you apply quantum mechanics, it's smooth. So, yeah. But I think that's the problem with applying quantum mechanics to a, a non-quantum mechanical world because the other thing that we haven't talked about with Einstein, and maybe we'll do a you know a, a, a quantum mechanic person at some point, Max Planck or whoever, right? Uh, Enrico Fermi. It doesn't make any goddamn sense to him. <laughs> right. You know, particles are waves and particles. They are also subjected to your perception of them. And they also anticipate your perception of them and what the fuck that means. I don't get it. Is it me? Is it them? Is it them and me? So who the fuck knows, yeah. you know, is the, I would the, love the to, problem with that. I would love to talk to, you know, Neil, De- Neil deGrasse Tyson or anybody else, uh, Brian Cox, and ask them this, the same question of what would happen in this scenario. Would would it's there be... Qu- the, it's a good question. Yeah, would there be blanks between us communicating, which it shouldn't be because it should be instantaneous, especially if I'm using this fictional thing from a book where let's say that's a possibility which yeah, maybe but, that's not possible because then it wouldn't work yeah but einstein presented that same thing about so what's it like being in space going at, at light speed yeah to to establish the the perception of his theory so right. you can do that yeah if, I can you're using the same imagine yeah yeah let's go into the world of imagination Thank well, thanks for listening to another episode Thank of you for People listening. Time. Yeah, God. we uh, hope you enjoyed it. We know this is a two-parter, kind of a long episode, so we hopefully we didn't lose you too much along our horrible explanations on some of these complicated things that we understand yeah. on a very basic level. Whatever. So. But we wanted to at least share his life, some of the weird stuff that you probably didn't know about Albert Einstein. Like he yeah. cheated on his wives like crazy, he, uh, married his cousin, which you might have known. People time. Fun stuff. Thank you for listening. Uh, please imagine me and Lizzo revolving around a black hole. And here's the thing. Time slows down. So our sex is slow and intentional. Which means... Relative, so it's not slow to you. Oh, fuck. <laughs>